Project. Welcome to the Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place to have a meaningful conversation in a safe place. We are your hosts and excited to be here today. Mm-hmm. I am Pastor David. We got Pastor Caesar. Feeling so meaningful. Meaningful. And we got James here. Very excited. I don't know why you added excited this time. Like, I know. I'm excited to be here. Excited? 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 I know. More excited than last time. Last time we just kind of, you know, getting right back in it for the mm-hmm. new year. Then here we are again. Yeah. We're See, more excited now. Yeah, more excited. But, you know, it seems like it was just. Just a few minutes ago. Just a ago. few minutes ago. And we're you know, way since more the last excited. time we was here. And now we're the, here. Now we're here again. Um, so, how you guys been? Dude, I've been way better than I was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're making stupid inside jokes. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm good. I'm good, too. I'm good. I'm good. Busy I'm, as always, man. So, you know? the, what's going on with the weather? Like, someday, like, some, like, morning, just, like, 37, mm-hmm. and then the afternoon is 76. You just reminded me. Um, that my fence fell over. Now oh. I gotta get a new fence. I always needed a new fence. Our fence had always been kind of jank yeah. <laughs> since we bought the house. A little wobbly. Like so, the way our house is, if you're looking at the house on the, like right on the side of the house, it connects to the side of the house. Yeah. It goes to the edge of the yard and then goes to the backyard or whatever. And there's like a little gate you can wood. Yeah, wood that you can get to the backyard mm-hmm. there. Anyway, that part has always been wobbly. We yeah. always kind of lean a little bit, um, but it, it's still like upright. But every time it rains really bad, the water soaks up in that area and it pools up. And so there's always a bunch of water there. And so it'll lean way more. And anyway, it just rained like pretty hard. And uh, And we had some wind too and different things. And I came outside this morning and my fence is laying on the ground, that part of it. So that's always fun. Yeah. You do it yourself? I, I don't know. Yeah, I'll probably end up doing it's it myself. expensive right now. Just... We just did uh, one of the sides of our fence, and yeah. we split it with the neighbor. And it was uh, it was still like 650 bucks. Yeah, well, we, spent, we spent... Like just uh, for your part? Yeah, that was yeah. half. That's yeah, we a... spent 900 and something dollars, but it was like a extra high and all the kick... They did whatever. They, they got a real fancy fence, and yeah. I just paid for my half. Mm-hmm. But I definitely would have done it, because I built all my fences. Mm-hmm. But they want to do it, so I don't know how to build it. But I'll have to figure it out. If I you guess, ever do but... it, call me. You can, uh, you can rent the like the augers uh-huh. to dig the holes. You can do all of your holes in a matter one that you can with the uh, with the old school post hole digger. Yeah, and that's like. 50, 60 bucks is definitely well worth it. Yeah, digging dig those holes. Oh, with, uh, yeah, but my so problem bad. is it the the reason it's falling over is because all that water collects there. Yeah. So I need to bring some dirt in. Bring some dirt in or dig some kind of trench, trench. or something. Yeah. Speaking of your house, have you first. had any uh, continued possum problems? Opossum, depending on where you're from? Not that I know of, anyway. I think... Uh, he hasn't moved his, his uh, lawnmower in a while. Yeah. No, no, no. I got that shed now, so oh, you know, yeah, that's I don't right. even Maybe have to worry about that. Possum are chilling in the shed now. Uh, no, no, no. I shut the doors. <laughs> I did see a couple possums in some trees uh, when I would go out. I'd go outside and use the grill or whatever and uh, mm-hmm. at nighttime and then I'd go out there with a flashlight and then you'd see a possum in the tree. I'm telling you, those things look evil. Oh, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just yeah. look they super look like from the death of hell. If I was some dude like exploring a new area and I saw that thing just sitting there and don't know any, any better, I would think it's a little demon. Yeah. It's for sure crossbred with something else, right? A demon, yeah. Like a <laughs> sister, right? Like That's what things when you like crossbreed with your sister, it turns out ugly like that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a sister, so no comment. 
<laughs> it comes out as a possum. Is that where the you, possums came you from? You could start a business. From Arkansas? <laughs> and, that's where they started? You can, oh, hey, you, you, can, you can bottle up possum farts and sell them. Hey. Oh, man. Found yeah. out that's pretty lucrative. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. Whatever faces, yes, yeah. TikTok. She doesn't chick. Need a shout out. Man. Whatever. <laughs> I don't think I said her out. name on purpose last week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't yeah. want nobody That's to true. go That's why we can't shopping remember. for parts. <laughs> well, I, you know, when I read that article, I read that article, and then it was like, oh wait, this girl's pretty. Like it's just a pretty girl. Yeah. You know, and it's like I mean, she was blonde, said, oh, so I was wait. kind of like, eh, but yeah. <laughs> Not, they were never your flavor? Nah, I mean, and their skin's too light, you know? Oh, man, you know it. <laughs> so, you know me. Latinas. 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 Where's she at? She's around right here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, anyway. So you got a, y'all, you, you two guys got kind of a, some a new toy to play with, right? So we got the new uh, drum booth at church. Oh, How yeah. y'all liking that? Yeah, I haven't got the play in it yet, yeah. but uh, I like the way it's uh, working with the sound, and it looks sleek. It does look and good. crisp. It's so, nice. oh, sorry about that. I asked so, Pastor Bobby today. I said, "How'd you like playing in it?" And he said, "Much more roomy." Yeah, it's very roomy. Yeah, it is it, bigger it's, inside. It's, here. I think the door is a little smaller though. Door's a little small, <laughs> but but you're working with about eight feet yeah. of room in there yeah, from front better. to back. And uh, seven feet side to side. I don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about a drum boot that we can put on our stage. Mm-hmm. And um, it's one of those really nice ones that we got a really good The place is looking nice with the new projectors and everything. Yeah. We're, we're, it came out really good. It up a little bit. The to place feels bigger. It does. When I walked in, uh, yeah. when I walked in on Sunday, it was, yeah, I don't know, just have, not having those screens on the side and just having them there, for some reason it felt like it was more open. Yeah. yeah. I think because your, your uh, attention is like, Filtered more to the middle, and then so your per- peripherals, mm-hmm. yeah, it kind of make the room feel bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I know. I know the uh, the dove was a little bit of a source of controversy whenever we brought it down, but I think it's working. You know, yeah, it's not <laughs> yeah. over with. I mean, uh, I had some uh, a gentleman take me out to the foyer this morning and tell me uh, where he thinks we should hang it. So, oh, do we have it like hanging around somewhere? <laughs> yeah, we still have it where he thinks we should hang it. Yeah, so I mean, hey, you know, everybody's got their opinion on it. Well, I've been trying to sell that dove, you know, yeah. whenever people make a comment, they're like, Well, it should have been. It's like, Well, you know, I'll sell it to you for five thousand dollars, it looked great in your living room, yeah, <laughs> you know, it really will. Um, but no, as far as the, the, the whole drum thing, you know, and here we're all we're all musically inclined here, and um, it, it's 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 interesting. I'm hearing some comments already from people that are not musical at all. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, it's 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 really interesting because you know I didn't know we had so many drum techs yeah, in, our, in our church. It's 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 fantastic. I, I am yeah. a drum enthusiast, so let's have a conversation about drums. You know, but it's like I never knew so many people had an opinion about drums, and yeah. and I'm like, well, um, I, I mean, I've been playing these things for over 20 years, and you know how. How long have you been playing? Oh, I don't even like music. <laughs> so what, what? Like, what's the comments? Like negative stuff? Yeah, it's a performance. It looks like y'all performing in the in your box. Yeah, like we isolated you. Exactly. Like we can we can see less of you now. It looks like a performance on stage. You need really? a we need a smoke machine in the drum booth. Oh yeah, that just so you it just fills up. The I'll whole just start thing. vaping in the drum booth. Yeah, just that? bring your vape, and <laughs> then uh, we need a strobe light only in the drum booth. <laughs> So it'll be uh, no, but yeah. like, like uh, okay, you know. But that's uh, the same people that probably complaining it was too loud before. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it's not too loud before. If anything, that and we've got proof. We've got scientific proof, ladies and gentlemen. Science. Take your decibel meters to your houses of worship and find out. Don't do that because it'll drive the pastor nuts. I promise you, it's okay. If you don't like to worship at your church and it's too loud, find another church. That's it. That's how I feel about it. Like, I mean, come on. Like, there's a church for everyone. That's why there's. Baptist and Methodist and Pentecostal. There's a church for everyone. Yep. And mm-hmm. I, um, I, I, I was having a talk with Pastor about this, and and I think it's important for us as people that you know are in production that we eliminate all the excuses that people have to ultimately because they're never going to stop, but to ultimately get them to the place to where they realize. My heart is the problem, but it's going to take a long time to eliminate all those excuses. Well, that's what I told somebody before. I'm just like, how do you know this, all these issues that we're having when you're supposed to be worshiping? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm so distracted about it. Now your heart's distracted, mm-hmm. not the drums, mm-hmm. not the lights, mm-hmm. not the dove, mm-hmm. <laughs> your heart. I can't stop looking at that yeah. dove. I can't. <laughs> I can't. So no, and and I, I honestly would respect people more if they would say it's not my preference, which is fine. I I can I can agree with that. You know, it's like I, I there's music out there that I don't enjoy, yeah. and it's not my preference. But let's you know stop beating around the bush and trying to play all nice and stuff like. Well, you know the drums are too loud. It's like no, you don't like this style of music, and yeah. you don't like a church that reaches out to young people. Yeah, and that's the thing, like. You got saved at one point in your life, you know, and uh, you wanted the church like that for you, you know, and um, there was all these issues because the church was trying to reach young people then, and now it's your turn Mm -hmm. to deal with it. You ain't dealing with it. So we we have to remember that if we don't build the church for the children, the church is going to die. It's very inspirational. Really? Really, the church is going to die. So I don't know, man. Yeah, I, no, it's crazy. We, and I think we're doing a good. I, th- I think at our church we do a pretty good job of trying to balance the the two. Um, but church is a hundred years old. We're going to be celebrating that pretty quick here. And I think when you have a church that has so many things that's been going on for a hundred years, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the dove's only there for twenty five. Yep, you know. Um, and then, you know, I, I'm sure it happens at other churches, but I remember having, um, what's the brother from Colorado that came to our, King. yeah, Jason King. Mm, and, yeah. uh, you know, he was talking about how it was tough for him when he took over an older church and yeah. he said, we're not doing dolies no more. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not doing flags no more. We're not, yeah. whatever it is that's going to make new people, new believers go, that's weird. We're not doing no more. Yeah, and I think that um, we have to we have to get there. Um, but the only way to get there is to continually change. Yeah, you got to move forward. When you wait twenty five years to change, that's when you have issues. But if you're changing every day, then people are used to it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we're doing something different today. Okay, cool. Yeah, little by little, yeah. move 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 the ball forward. Yeah, you know, an, an inch at a time if you have to, but just keep 
moving and and you know whenever people talk about you know well it's not my preference they won't never say it like that but that's what they mean it's not my preference well we have a first service that's a lot more traditional in nature and that's fine yeah you know that's fine there is a spot and a place for it but you know whatever it is whether it's music whether it's uh, the aesthetic whatever whenever people decide that church they go to church and it's all about them and it's no longer about reaching the heart of God and what's the heart of God so that he could reach others. Um, it, 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 it's not, you're not fulfilling the purpose of that church, yeah. which is to continue, continually reach out to the lost and dying. And uh, if it just comes a place to where it's like, I, I, I just want my comforts to be met here, then, I mean, I get it. I get it. Um, I have, we all have enough, uh, you know, skin in the game here to talk about it, but, uh, you know, like being a, being a youth pastor and you know, this being a youth pastor, sometimes some of my students, they want to, you know, perform a special, they want to do a song and it's, uh, it's hip hop. Now you like hip hop, you like hip hop kind of, I guess, right. I like hip hop. And, and, and I can tolerate it, you know, it's not on my playlist or whatever, but just because it's not my preference doesn't mean that I'm not going to allow the next generation to enjoy it. And if it really speaks to them, well, then I need to get out of the way and realize that this is working, yeah. that this is something that is appealing to their ears. So, you know what? I'll stomach it. It's okay. It's yeah. fine. I remember um, a preacher coming in and he was talking about it. And uh, he was just like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, what is this music? And why are we doing this? is the worst thing that I've ever heard in my entire life. And then he turned around and looked at his congregation, and everybody had their hands up, and everybody was worshiping, and goes, mm-hmm. Okay, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just remove me and my feelings. If this is what moves my church, this is what we'll do. Yeah. You know? Um, but we have to be honest with ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, and say, Is this about me? Is this church about me? No, it ain't about me. Yeah. You know, it's about the next generation. It's about that next soul. It's about those next things. And it's kind of cool. You and I and Nikki had a a conversation the other day. And um, the problem is not too many people can have conversations like that and say, no, I don't like that. Yeah, I do like that. And push back with each other and Mm -hmm. then leave there without, without a bunch of feelings hurt. Yeah. You know? Um, most of the times when you get, especially when you, when you're, when you're talking about creativity and somebody put their, a lot of time and work into something and you go, ah, man, I really just don't like it, you know, or what do you think about this? We automatically get our feelings hurt. We can't have conversation, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that if we get back to that and knowing, listen, man, I love you. I hope you love me as much as I love you. And we're trying to get, do the best we can for the kingdom. Yeah. I think that you'll see the church start making moves that the, that the world has to follow instead of the the world making moves that the church that has the to follow. The other way has to follow, yeah. yeah. And and you know, and I get it. I, I get it, but like you said, whenever your your goal is the same to to produce the very best that is possible with the people here cuz it's not a one man show. Yeah. That's the world's thinking. It's a one man show. Mm-hmm. You know, here it's a, a body of people, different uh, different mindsets. Somebody will see something, somebody will hear something that another person is not focusing on because 
You know, when we're talking things like music, and we were having a conversation earlier about this, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, what did you use for the kick drum? What did you use for the snare? Do you need to bring up the highs, lows, the mids? And and in, in your mind, you're just thinking maybe about the overall mix. You're thinking about the guitars and the vocals rather than focusing on one little minute detail. And uh, to being, a- being able to have conversations where you nitpick, but it's not and, – and, and I, I talk about this in – different ways but there's a difference between a critique and a criticism yeah a criticism there is no wanting to grow from it a criticism comes from a negative destructive place and its purpose is to demean right right? but a critique is to take notes to take a point from here consider this do it a different way achieving a better result and it's always to push it forward and to grow but too many times we are we're, and i think that's just a product of human nature is that we're always on the defensive because we always think that somebody's out to get us yeah and i think when you put so like like james today he worked before service you know First service, then second service, and then for us to go, hey man, man, your drums sound like crap today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're just like, what's what's up? You know, because I know, for like, for my business, that I'm right in the middle of it. You know, and I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. I think I'm doing all the right things, and Sandra goes, hey man, I think you're 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 doing something. You're missing something over here. And I'm just like. What? You know, I'm killing myself over here, you know? Yeah. And then I have to step back and get out of my feelings and mm-hmm. listen to her because she's looking at it from a distance mm-hmm. and I'm looking at it all in the weeds and I yeah. can't see certain things, right. you know? Um, but I, I'll get all of my feelings, man. I will, for real. And then she was just like, hey, I'm not attacking you. I'm just trying to help you see some things that you're not yeah. able to see right now. Yeah, it pricks your pride. Yeah, and, it does. Especially when you're so invested in it. Now, James, you're you're in a, in a household with another creative as well. That is how, true. How do you guys go about critiquing each other? Do y'all? I mean, it's like completely different worlds, but... We don't very much. We kind of would a little bit. Um, I think I told you before at some point where I'd say... Where I said, like... At some point, like maybe I was mixing something and I might say, hey, Tara, can you listen to this? Does anything stick out as bad to you? Uh, You know, something like that. And then she might tell me a few things. Um, But then I'd realize later, like I was just self-consciously trying to get somebody to tell me, hey, this is good. You're doing good. And uh, like why I don't really need nothing against her, but like I don't really need her opinion on that particular stuff. I mean, it's got its own value to it, but like. I I know more about that. Like she doesn't need my opinion on her ceramic pieces. Right. I mean, she will ask me a few things. And so I can give her the opinion of somebody who knows nothing about it, which does have its own value. Yeah, absolutely. Just like, uh, as far as like with the music thing, like if you're not a music person, how does this sound to you? Cause you know, the vast majority of people that just hear something, uh, musically, like they, you they know, can tell not, you there's something wrong, but they don't know what's yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's still useful. You know, yeah. so we'll give each other some critiques like that. Um, but, like, I'm not going to be like, you should start making your pieces like this. or yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't even know how to tell her. That's how little I know. Well, that's know? like, when, when it's your, you know, your husband, your wife, it's when, like one of those things, hey, does these pants make my butt look big? You're yeah, not, we don't, yeah. No, so we try it's to not the pants. Your butt makes the pants look big. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so but, we just kind of we don't really do it too much, but we will every now. We're, we'll just encourage each other, like, "Hey, you're doing a good job. Keep up yeah. the good work, or whatever." But yeah, yeah, I was edi- yeah. editing some photos, and I, I and I, for me, like a lot of other. 
content creators out there, and I know because I see your work. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's uh, skin tones are really difficult whenever you're talking about photo editing and stuff, yeah. you know. And you have to. Have, I think it is a skill all in its own to get really good skin tones uh, whenever <laughs> yeah. you're you're editing mm-hmm. anything, whether video, uh, photo, whatever. So I was just so involved in what I was doing and looking at all the Kelvin numbers and making sure, you know, all these things, the shadows and all that. So I, I call my wife over and I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this? And she goes, eh, yeah, yeah. And I knew exactly, <laughs> I knew exactly what she meant at that moment. Yeah. You know, Cause she's not worried about the Kelvins or anything yeah. like that, but I, it, it made me, it triggered something in me to say, no, I need to go back because yeah. I know what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. These, yeah. these skin tones are off and no, we're not going to do that. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's super beneficial and I don't get in my feelings most of the time, mm-hmm. you know, but I will depending on what it is. Like if somebody comes and they're like, you know, Hey, you're, you were playing the drums today and it sucked. It's like, oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, like what aspect of it? Yeah, it's know? one thing if it's unwarranted and like, it's not constructive or anything if somebody just came out of their way to let you know they think you're not good at something that's different than if i asked somebody let me know what you think about this thing and then, if you respect them and different things yeah, like that yeah 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 and it, that's and that's a great avenue right it's like whenever you we were talking about earlier how can we critique each other's work that way without getting uh, offended by it it's because we respect the other one's level of creativity and how their brain and what they produce that you you take it like okay, this is not coming from somebody that's just talking out of their rear end and bo- right. and bottling it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I know Brother Calvin was telling me one time he was doing a bunch of portraits and stuff, and he would people always say, you know, hey, you know, when you do mine, you like straighten my nose or can you make 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 my waist a little bit smaller? Mm-hmm. He's just like, no, this is like I do what I who you are, you yeah. know. Yeah. And, you want me to wait six weeks while you uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead and go <laughs> Lay off the carbs for about six weeks and then we'll take another picture. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and jump right into Culture Corner. Here we go, here we go, here we go. On that flow for 2022, yeah, you know. I gotta you know, get somebody to rap over that. <laughs> I gotta get somebody to rap on that. Oh, man. Well, James, what you got for us today? All right, here's the title of mine. Stunning drone footage reveals complex social lives of killer whales and that they have best friends. Hmm. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, that, there's a lot going on. Let's there. read it again. Yeah, it's read a, it it's again. a long title. Yeah. Stunning drone footage reveals complex social lives of killer whales and that they have best friends. Wow. Mm. So. I feel like this could be a whole Jeremy Foster deal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, way too early. Way too soon. Uh, so researchers captured these majestic creatures adorably giving each other hugs and even flipper slaps. Nice. So Killer uh, whales. Yeah, killer whales. Also known as orcas, which they're not actually whales. Fun or, fact. They're or actually free willies. Yeah, they're actually the largest species of dolphins. But really? Yeah. So my, they're actually uh, my grandfather was a just a great a great man. <laughs> And uh, preacher all of his for for I don't know for a long time, and uh, he wouldn't let us watch uh, Free Willy because he said it was well porn. (laughs) (laughs) 
free will. Could you watch The Animal Planet? Uh, I don't think that was a thing back then. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot. It was, yeah. what, the 20s? Or... <laughs> yeah. Dang, I'm that old. We done a bunch of podcasts, and y'all didn't call me old for a long time. It was about dudes. That's whenever it was called The Picture yeah. Show. <laughs> it was the silent movies with just, like, the soundtrack yeah. in the background. Anyways, I'm sorry. Anyway, so these, uh, so they started using these fancy drones to get better shots uh, of these whales. Um, that before they couldn't really get before you could really only do research if the ra- if the whale happened to come up to the surface and you could just kind of track them and there wasn't it wasn't as uh it wasn't as useful anyway now they got these drones so they can go out further without having to be like in a boat or something and it, you can actually see down a little ways and so they start following all these different killer whales and they found out uh they, they were just high fiving and stuff yeah they're out there like high fiving and uh they found out that they had uh so whales, uh, they, these uh, killer whales, they live in pods or whatever it's called, where it's like you kind of have a group that they stick with for the most part. And uh, they were finding that usually the whales would um, hang out with the same sex and around the same age so that you could see that they would kind of hang out with their friends. And they found out that they had a, one or two that was like the one that they would hang out with the most. And anyway, they're super interesting creatures, the, uh, not in the uh, – not in the article here, but more just fun killer whale facts for you since okay. we're talking about it. Um, they like to hunt in packs, um, and they're super smart. They're like pretty much the most impressive predator that you can think of. Kind of like the house cat. I thought I was. Not like the house cat at all. More like wolves, though, for real. They uh, they equate it to like wolf packs, the okay. way that they'll hunt seals and yeah. polar bears well, aren't and dolphins, whatever. And if they come from the dolphin family, aren't dolphins mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the bullies of the sea? Kind of. Yeah. And they're super smart. They do it. So the, the issue with killer whales is they're just way smarter than everything else. And then they're way bigger than most things. Right. So they'll like, if they want you, they got you. Yeah. Debo. Yeah. And they've, uh, there's a, uh, there's footage of them. They'll like play with their food. So they'll like catch a seal and then I've they'll, seen that. Yeah, they'll yeah. throw it on their back flipper and go up and just throw it and they'll like play catch with it and then they'll play games where they can like see how high you can throw the seal and it's they're crazy, dude. I've seen like videos of that or like seals jumping in like boats, just random boats, and then they were just like, Why is this seal here? And then next thing you know, like killer whales come up out of the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But oh. there uh there's no accounts of them ever attacking a human in the wild there is some accounts of them attacking humans but it's only when they're in captivity right yeah. and i would too yeah you got a free willy man yeah if you ever yeah. watched uh what's that um gosh it's on netflix called a uh, blackfish i think it's called oh, yeah. you ever watched that yeah that it's guy's been on a couple podcasts that i've watched the guy the well the the one whale that the main whale that they were talking yeah, about yeah. he was the original trainer oh okay and then, yeah, like yeah. they booted him out because he was trying to like save him and yeah because they're being in bleach water and all kinds yeah of well stuff. that whale that whale was crazy man yeah. well it wasn't crazy but it was crazy what was happening that yeah. whale he would take the trainers and like pull them to the bottom of the uh, the pools and just hold them there and then he would take them back up so they could breathe for a second then take them back down yeah. so you, he was just intentionally torturing him because exactly. they tortured him yeah yeah well it wasn't so much it, they weren't like poking him with metal no, no, rods no. or something but just like the conditions he'd be in right. and uh also he kept getting bullied by the other whales um i'm trying to remember the yeah, details it's been a while of that since I've seen it, but yeah yeah it's 
And and because of that, they've, they've shut down a lot of uh, like SeaWorld type parks mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, and they just kept like and they just kept yeah. moving him to different parks. Different parks, right? And so he would attack. So they they capture him, and then they have him in like bad situations. So then he would act out and attack a trainer or something, and then uh, they would just move him to another place, and then he would do the same thing there, and then they would move him to another one, and he'd be. Yeah, it's it crazy. just changed his name. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> like color a different spot on the side. No, I wish I could not, remember his name now. It's I not Willie. This is Henry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> free Henry. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's anyway, Killer Whales though, but it's they have Bill. best friends and they're super smart and they give each other flipper high fives and they hug each other. Apparently, it was crazy how they knew like how much breath that these like humans could hold, and they were just like, "Oh yeah, you want to get yeah, some breath? Man. Go ahead, get you." Uh, and then you just take them back, back down, up. you know, 50 feet down or whatever it is. Yeah, I was telling Goodness. my wife the other day, we were just, just out of nowhere. I just you know, I said, you know, honey, what really just scares me, like genuine fear, is what is in the deep, mm. uh, what could be in yeah. the deep, mm-hmm. you know, you like Megalodon yeah. or some kind of, yeah. you know, some kind of mythical beast mm-hmm. and still like... 20,000 leagues under the sea. You know what I mean? For me, it doesn't even have to be a beast. Just if you're just in open water oh, out there, man. that it freaks that me terrifies out. Me. Those little sea three animals freak me out. The what? Sea three? The sea three. Uh, oh, yeah. The, like yeah. the, the, ones like the jellies really, and stuff? Those are the, the ones that are like super, super deep. Oh, they, and then they're all like neon and stuff? Yeah, mm-hmm. you can see through them because yeah. they're pretty cool. They like make their own light because there's no light down there and stuff yeah. like that. Being just, out in the water though like that, you're just so helpless. Like, there's nothing you could do. If a big fish of any I'm kind... I'm thinking about it right now. I am just like, yeah. my heart If they want like, to get you, they can get you. And there's nothing you can do. I would die. I know that I would die. If I ever found myself in that kind of situation, mm-hmm. I know a shark is coming. Yeah. I know something <laughs> is coming. Something is coming out of the deep. Poseidon is coming out. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? mean? You know, it's a shark. You can punch it in the nose. You can do all those kind of hey, things. Be punching but no like, shark in the if nose. That, if that shark decides to keep attacking you, like there's nothing that you can do to stop it. What am I going to do to a shark? That's it. Uh, you, you, there's been accounts where, you know, they say if you get him in the gills or something, it'll, you know. Uh, I'm slow as it is. Yeah, just out good of water. <laughs> My point is, even if you did all of those things right, it's just in hopes that he decides to stop attacking you. It's not like you're going to fight him to the death and win somehow. See, I used to think Aquaman was lame. <laughs> he's still lame. I mean, he's pretty <laughs> lame still, but, uh, you know, compared to me out in the water, uh-huh. Aqu- Aquaman's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'll give him that. All right. Well, before we go on to the next story, shout out to Mexico for dropping in. Woo, Mexico! Mexico, Russia, India, French, United Kingdom, all y'all out there that are stopping by. Comrades. Australia. We had um, Canada stop back by. Canada, eh? Hey. 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 They're never coming back now. All right, let's, so let's uh, let's talk about this next uh, next story. Um, Smokey. Smokey. Like from Friday? From Friday. Chris Tucker turned down $12 million to play Smokey in the next Friday movie. Mm. $12 million. Ice, uh, Ice Cube said they're ready to pay Smokey $12 million to be Smokey. And why but he turned it down? Smokey got saved. What? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And he said that he is no longer interested um, 
to swear or appear doing drugs on movies anymore. Mm-hmm. Smokey sanctified. Smokey got a bunch of money from smoking, and he said, I ain't doing it no more. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Old Chris Tucker. I thought he just went, you know, just like smoked too much and disappeared, <laughs> but homeboy had been in the church. Wow. Yeah, so. But like in the church church, you're kind of like Kanye kind of church. I'm not too for sure what a church he goes to. Um, but he's not uh he's not doing um He's not coming comedy to more, not doing comedy no more, not doing the you know, the smoky 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 well, thing. Well he's no made more. a lot of money. I hope he managed it well, yeah, but, but most of those he can't be funny it. now that he's saved. The- I mean I guess no, you can, but there's no, no. Why do you think there's only like three Christian comedians? Because they're the only ones that yeah. can figure it out without cursing and making sex jokes. There's only that one black comedian that's out there. What's his face? Uh, Smiley. You talking Smiley? about Chris Rock? No, no, no Christian comedian. I'm pretty uh, sure Smiley's white. I don't know who it is. Hmm. No, Michael something. Michael Johnson. No. I don't know. I don't know. Michael Johnson. <laughs> Michael Jackson. Not a Christian comedian. No. <laughs> so, wow. Before uh, before we had this conversation and we just stopped talking about it because we just thought let's just roll it and talk about it on here. Um, what was your question, James? I said, well, okay. You said he turned down the role because uh, his character was going to have to swear and smoke and all this stuff that he didn't think a Christian should be doing. And I said, well, is that really? Like, would it, is that really wrong for a Christian to play a role of a non-Christian? Is it because so like for the swearing, for instance, so his character is going to say bad words and he said, I'm a Christian. I don't say these bad words. I have, you know, clean language, so I don't want to play that role. And so I said, is it wrong for is that sinful for him if his character says these bad words? Yeah, I mean. I think that uh, what's the what's the other guy the the real popular black um, actor? Uh, well, y'all just can't remember black people's names, <laughs> can you, man? Y'all ain't as woke as me. <laughs> what, what's his name then? I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, real popular dude, Samuel L. Jackson. No, not him. Another one. Is Denzel, Denzel Washington. Thank you. Y'all know I can't remember nothing. Denzel Washington has one of the most symmetrical faces that you will ever see. Really? Yeah. Fun fact about Denzel. <laughs> I okay. think it was more racist for y'all to just be like, you know that black actor? And well, we you just Tarko, well, Samuel L. Jackson, <laughs> Denzel. <laughs> Michael Jr. <laughs> or, you know, but, That's I mean, the comedian. Because there's only like one black actor that... Uh, Isn't there? No, no. There's, 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 there's only one black actor. Seems no. like there's a lot more. <laughs> there's, 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 there's only two that do narr- narrating voices, and that's... Uh, oh, Morgan Freeman. You see? also still couldn't remember his name, either. And then... Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> And Darth Vader with his face. Uh, James Earl Jones. I just want y'all to know I love Black Mufasa. (laughs) Anyways, he's a professing Christian. Mufasa? No. (laughs) Denzel Washington. I almost called him (laughs) (laughs) Remember who you are. Denzel Washington's a professing Christian and he curses. Yeah, his he character. Does, he he does some pretty mm-hmm. dark uh, oh, roles. Wow. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> We're gonna get canceled on this one for sure. Um, what's the what's <laughs> 
dark world. That's so. Uh, oh. He did those Equalizer movies. Who plays just like a dude going around killing people? Yep. I mean, he's doing it for like good or whatever. And then you get that that producer that does uh, all those different characters, and he does the the fat woman. Uh, <laughs> you can't remember his. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Norbit? No, no, no. The the, the Tyler, Tyler Perry. Yeah, Tyler Perry. He he, he curses. Oh, us. Lordy. <laughs> he curses so and stuff in his. Uh, I'm just saying, giving trying to give examples yes, of Christians that is. do. But what do we feel like is that right or wrong? And we've talked about cursing Christians here a few yeah. episodes mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so okay, I'll say. So, I, for some reason, I had this thought like when I was a child, and I was like, if I was ever an actor, could I? Would I have to turn down roles? And back as a child, in my head, I was thinking yes, because you know I'm a Christian. I don't say those words, or whatever. But by that logic, to me. You can't ever play a part if you're an actor. You can never play a part where the actor or the part that you're playing doesn't happen to be a Christian, which I don't think makes sense. You have to get one of those jobs from from uh, pure flicks. Pure flicks. Yeah, <laughs> but you couldn't even play the bad guy in the pure flicks. You know what I mean? Like, because anything they're doing, you're taking that on as I'm committing that sin. Yeah, it's a tough one for me. Well, but obviously, there's a line somewhere. There's a line. I like okay. So is, is the line the worst word? Like you can't say the f word. Yeah, but, but you then it's say, like you're just making stuff up. You're just making up your own rules. Yeah, but, you know? but, but like you know, let, let's just say that there was this alternate reality where the f word wasn't the f word, and it was just a part of your regular conversation, and it meant something else, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then is it still wrong? It's and and I believe that the answer is it's always it's always based on the disposition of the heart. Right. What's mm-hmm. a curse word? I've, I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of sanctified curse words whenever people say things like, you know, they hit their foot. Oh, raspberries. It's like, what were you really trying to say? <laughs> you know, just because you didn't say the word doesn't mean that your heart didn't yell it out. But so then by that logic, if, if I'm the actor and I'm playing that role, my intent, my heart isn't trying to curse all these people out. I'm just playing a role for either entertainment purposes or, you know, whatever you want to say it. So then would that I think that makes it okay by that logic. Well, I think you're, I think you're, you're presupposing that the Bible deems that actors are supposed to exist. <laughs> hey, there you, go. you know what I mean? It's like, well, it, it goes against what I. It's like, no, the Bible says what it says, and and uh, and your what's the intent of your heart? Whenever a Christian becomes a Christian, you sign over. All rights of thought and mind over to God, and you are always under that law. Mm-hmm. You are un- always under His ordinances. And whenever He says, "Be careful what you say," because out of your mouth, you know, out of your mouth, a lot of wickedness can come. It, it, it talks a lot about the tongue, about how it's a how it's a serpent, how it's a, it's poisonous, how mm-hmm. it can hurt, and how it can, you know. And, and nowhere in there do I see. But if you're an actor, it's okay. True. Okay, here's another example. Did y'all ever see that movie came out a few years ago? It was about uh, Mercy Me. Uh, what's his name? Whoever. I, I don't know the guy's name. The lead singer guy from Mercy Me. Right. And he like, told his story and all. Good thing he wasn't black, huh? Yeah, dude, I know all the black people's names. <laughs> uh, like a true woke person. Uh, anyway, so the, the, uh, the guy that played his dad was... Oh, man, I can't remember that actor's name either. He's a white guy, though. Anyway, that makes it okay. Not, yeah, it doesn't matter. There's though. only one white actor. The point is, the dad in that uh, movie, I don't 
think he ever cussed him out or anything, but he was like an abusive father. Like that was the role. He definitely did. Um, he did things that we would deem as sinful. Right. By the he way. was an alcoholic. Yeah. He was stuff. abusive. Does that mean if I'm a Christian, I can't play that role because those aren't good things. Right. So that's it. That's an interesting thought because you can act it, but you can't say it. Yeah. You could act alcoholic. But you the point was that was a good guy, that was a good movie that say was F word. The point was that was a movie that was promoting all this god stuff. Um it wasn't like like it was it had a it w- the outcome of it was a lot of good stuff. It was showing the way god moved in this guy's life. I don't think there was any cuss words in it. It was a good it was promoting some form of the gospel. So we had a pastor on here some time ago, and we was kind of asking him about some, you know, real cheesy Christian movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. And his thought was, what did he say? He goes, we're assuming that Christians are supposed to be in the entertainment business. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Because I think it's a, it's, a, it's a line. I mean, it's a sticky line because, like you say, you can, you can act to be the bad guy to portray something that you don't want to be and then how God redeems somebody from that. Mm-hmm. But if the minute you say the F word in doing that, now you're sinning. Yeah. So I don't, but if I was an actor today, but I think it's intent. So like, so if you say, in, if you want to do that in intent, then if you're doing it to portray something that God's going to redeem instead of just being a murderer that's going around and cursing mm-hmm. and smoking and killing and, you know, having a good time. And we're, we are celebrating that instead of celebrating what God's redeeming you from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I use a, uh, I use a very simple test to write. If it goes against your conscience, don't do it. Yeah. You know, wh- whatever it is. Yeah. Know, but it, somebody's got some people's conscience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that's gospel truth or anything, but if it may, if you have to think twice about it, then probably, it gets you in the right direction. You, you probably shouldn't do it in the first place. But you yeah. know, in a, maybe in a more applicable sense to everyday folk, what if uh, you're working? Maybe you're like a receptionist or something like that, and you work for a boss that doesn't really have too much integrity. He doesn't really care about that too much. He's <laughs> always lying to the Ooh. customers that are that you know. Are, are you going? Are you going to? Are you going to lie for your boss? Oh, oh he's not in right now. You know, it, it, and I, I've been put in some situations like that with some of my bosses and managers where they're like, well, tell them this. And it's misinformation. So I, yeah. I tell them the truth in an, in a different kind of way. Whenever they say, no, nah, I want to talk to that whatever, whatever, whatever. They say, hey, he's indisposed right now. Right. That doesn't mean he's not in. You know, they used to tell me, they were like, David, don't worry about this. We'll get old girl on it. <laughs> Because she would say whatever they wanted her to say. So they already knew that I wasn't, I would do what you would do. I would say, you know, oh, he's not available right now. Or even though that he was standing, I'm not going, you know, let him know I'm standing right here or whatever. Or if they did a straight out lie, I'd be like, I can't do that. You know, there's, you know, that interferes with my faith. Okay, don't worry about it. We'll get Sylvia to do it. Yeah. You know, and uh, so it was actually, you know, it was, um, Faith building for me and also a testimony that these, these people are looking at me because guess what? 
that same person that was going through a divorce, mm-hmm. guess what happened? He came to my office and shut my door and, and we yeah. talked. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. People, they look at you with, uh, you know, your your integrity is elevated in their eyes. Yeah. And they know that you're somebody that you can go because even in the smallest little things, when it comes to like, I'm going to I'm gonna defy my boss's orders and not do what they want me to do on the basis of integrity, you're going to be the one that goes and, you know, that they're going to give the company credit uh, card to because they know yeah. that they can trust you whenever you have to go and run to the store or whatever, you know? Or if you want to take the company van to the Astros game, you can be the designated driver. There you yeah. go. I was that a bunch of times. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting, uh, interesting topic. Um, so before we close out on it, C.S. Lewis says something on it, right? Or he was talking about good Christians or, or what defines a good Christian. Well, a good Christian is somebody that follows the teachings of Christ. That's yeah. what we would say is a good Christian. That's what Jesus says is a good Christian, right? Not only do you hear my words, but you do my words. That's what Jesus said, right? That's what that's what is a good Christian follower. Well, what's a bad Christian follower, right? Well, somebody that knows the words, but they don't do it. Somebody that, that knows what he's talking about, but they, they just don't act on it. At the end of the day, are they still a Christian? I would say, yes, they're still a Christian. They're just a bad one. Yeah. And the, so the whole Narnia, yeah. Narnia thing, I seen about 30 minutes of it the other day. First time I've ever seen any of the What is it? Is it Narnia? Chronicles, the, Chronicles of Narnia. Of Narnia. Um, Which one? The first one? This is where the... I think that was the best one. If I, I think it was I the first one. Because the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Where, did the, they get introduced to Narnia in this the, movie? Well, it's when they killed him. They yeah, killed him. It's the first one. Okay. Uh, yeah. um, and there was a lot of violence in that movie. Oh, yeah. You know, and I don't, Narnia, remember, I don't remember there being any language or anything in it, in it, but there was a lot of violence and a lot of the things, but it was pro- portraying something that was good, you mm-hmm. know? So I think that the intent, probably. I mean, I support him. I, if I was him, I'd probably do the same thing. Uh, yeah. Chris Tucker or whatever, but yeah, uh, in this particular role, right? Because he's supposed to be, you know, Smokey. Yeah, everybody knows Smokey. Especially yeah. if you're, uh, if you're Chris Tucker, like you've been making money for years. Like it's not like you need the role or something. Like, sure, pick your roles. I'm all for it. Um, I just uh, anytime we're just kind of like, yeah, that's bad. This is good. I kind of like, I don't know. I like to know why is this bad. Yeah, and who was it that was having that conversation in uh, in uh, Black Hollywood, where only uh, or, or how they always had black actors dressing up in drag, right? And then there was some there was some famous guy. I, I don't know who it was, but there was there was one of the famous guys that that, that just said at, at the top of the game, right? He said, "Look, I'm not going to be dressing like no woman." Because every black actor that they have in Hollywood, they always in some role, they're always dressing them in drag. Mm, that's interesting. Um, something I just read about uh, Chris Tucker here. He said that um, speaking about his uh, comedy, he says, being a Christian helps me in comedy. I have to talk about other stuff. Normally, most comics talk about stuff that is easy, maybe cussing or saying something raunchy. He goes, it makes me have to dig deeper to talk to uh, to talk about something that is still funny and not raunchy. It's harder and it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And I think that you find that um, I, I think we find that in this podcast. Like we could, I mean, the the raunchies we get is last week we talked about farts. You know what uh, I'm saying? The Christmas episode hiding the pickle. <laughs> yeah, that was. Oh man, that was that was you. Okay, uh, <laughs> but 
I think that would be real easy for for us to go pull out some stuff that's going on in the world and just go, mm-hmm. kind of go in on that stuff. But yeah. uh, to talk about something that's a little bit has a little bit more substance and different things like that. So yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's easier. James, let us know about this song we're going to play today. Hey, hey, so uh, the song. Okay, you said this is coming out on the 20th, this episode. Yep. Yeah, okay, so then today we just put out, um, we being me and my brother's band, Eucalyption, just put out a new single, first single of 2022. We got a few more coming in the next few months. Um, this song's called Blessings, and uh, the video will be out in the next few days here, but we just put out the new single, available iTunes, Spotify, wherever, and uh, that's, what the, that's what we're listening to. Doing it big. Without catching the curve Mark my words, things could still be worse I got so many opinions all around me How can anybody ever see it clearly? All I know is it'll all work out And how great it is to be alive And here's the truth if you can handle it What you think you know, don't hold a candle to it I've got too many opinions all around me How can anybody ever see it clearly? I only know that it'll all work out And how great it is to feel alive I am blessed to know
All right, all right, all right. Hey, James, spe- spell out your band's name real quick. That's a really good song, man. Eucalyption. E-U-C-A-L-Y-P-T-I-O-N. And where can they find you on your socials? Yeah, you can follow us Instagram, Twitter. I think we technically have a Facebook page, but we kind of hate Facebook. But anyway, you can follow it on there, too. We are, I think uh, we post stuff on there, too. But We're good, because guys like my age will we'll find you. Yeah, man. <laughs> but yeah, that should, uh, you heard it here first, folks. Hey, just today. came out. Today, today, uh, today, best song I've done. There you go. Thanks, man. For sure. What was some Um, of the inspiration behind it? um, That one, well, so Ben came up with the riff, the little guitar riff, you know, and the bass line. I added the drums and all that. Um, And then lyrically, the so the whole hook, it's a really happy, like kind of fun-ish sounding song. But the lyrics for the chorus, they're they're. the lyrics are, I'm blessed and I'll live blessed. No one's taking my blessings from me. And when I wrote them, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't like a happy-go-lucky feeling thing at all. It was very intense. And I don't remember why that came over me. What I guess I was reading something or what I was doing or I was listening to something. Anyway, the idea was <clears throat> that I'm blessed and the only way I cannot be blessed is if I basically choose to start living my life in a way that wouldn't allow god to keep blessing me Mm. and so uh so anyway it was like a really like intense like not gonna let that happen kind of thing but then in the way it came out in the song was much more happy yeah yeah no i wouldn't i would have never thought that was uh, kind of the so when i so when i was like singing those and all it's much more intense for me (laughs) but it's crazy how that works out yeah um so I wouldn't necessarily call you guys Christian a Christian band, yeah. Um, but this is much more of the faith feel than anything that y'all have done, yeah. Um, will we see more of that on this album, or this is kind of just a one-off type deal? I don't know. This is a so this one we're probably going to put because we're working on a few singles um, that are going to come up in the next couple months. Um, and we'll probably come up with like an EP, throw these singles on there, and then a couple more new ones. Yeah. So if we do that, there's a couple that we haven't written yet, so I don't okay. know yet. But uh, the uh, yeah, so I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. Yeah, one of the things I really like about y'all's band, man, and, and it's it's how both of y'all are just so in tune with rhythm and harmony, and that's probably because. Y'all, y'all thinking both, you know, y'all, th- y'all thinking both contexts because you being a drummer, Ben being a bassist primarily, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're thinking of rhythm all the time. Rhythm, it's very important. Rhythm and flow, rhythm and flow. But then both of y'all also think in harmony, in melody, in, yeah, in we both it, did the choir stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, for me anyway, that's really communicating through y'all's music on how both of y'all have a solid foundation on both sides. And, and it, yeah, I mean, somebody that doesn't know you, that y'all are brothers, I could see them saying something like, you know, man, it sounds like you guys have been playing for years, you know. Yeah, and Well, we kind of haven't played together. <laughs> y'all are very rhythm-heavy in your music, yeah. and you can definitely tell that. Um, I think that 
the, those vocals are probably the best I've heard both of y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was singing uh, singing my own harmonies in that one. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Had that they were a little high, and yeah. I got a higher voice than. Yeah, them. who did uh, who did all your video work, man? Shout them out. Yeah, shout oh, out. my friend Ben Pennington. Uh, you could find him on Instagram at Ben the Captain because he also nice. likes to sail boats. Awesome. And uh, yeah, actually, he's about to start working on a lot of video work. So um, if you need a video of any kind, he's the man. You can hit me up. Um, or you look him up, Ben the Captain. But you can probably just look me up. I will send you his uh, info. Yeah. So so let's just take a let's uh, look behind the curtain real quick. Yeah. Uh, three minute song. Yeah. Three fifteen. How long did it take you to shoot the video? <laughs> we took then, an evening. Yeah. We and did it all in one day. But but uh, uh, also throw in there, how long did it take to do all that? Record it. Man, budget. What are we looking at? It took us a few months, start to finish, as far as like getting the whole thing written, recorded, getting it mixed, uh, and the video and all that. It was probably a few months. Um, budget. We we recorded it all ourselves. Um, I actually I finally sent stuff off and got a guy to mix and master it for us. Paid him like five hundred bucks for it. Um, video. Um, I had my friend do it and. He just we just kind of help each other out with random stuff. So when I need video help with something, he'll just help me out. And if he needs audio help with something, I'll just help him out. So he shot that video for so free. So he shot that for free, man. Bro. He's been doing a lot of free stuff for us. And uh, so back in the day, we would shoot videos uh, under Kings Cat Media, and like five hundred dollars was just like mm-hmm. three shoots. You know, we'll get some different camera angles, and then we'd yeah. chop it up and put something out. Yeah, um, he's amazing, man. This right here, this, he's I mean, good. I'm like on a budget, if you take like him, that's fifteen hundred dollars easy. Yeah, like, like I said, cheap, he's cheap, about cheap, to start. Cheap. He's about to start uh, shooting a lot of videos. He's he's awesome, and so yeah, the video that we're talking about, it's not out today, but it'll probably it just follow us on Instagram. I'll have it announced. We haven't picked the actual date, but it'll be out in the next few days, next week for sure. So how's it working with uh, somebody like Ben? You know, when I when I look at Ben and I see the, all the different. Talk about my brother Ben. Or your brother about, Ben, okay, yeah. um, and the dude can sing. Yeah. I mean, plays whatever he decides he wants to play. He's interesting, man. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like he's almost like a musical genius. You know, he's really good, man. He uh, he's interesting to work with one because he's my brother, so that brings like a. It's own pros and cons to it. Um, and then, like you said, he's just he's really good, and he can play a bunch of different stuff. Uh, like I said, he he made that guitar riff, and these days he's been coming up with a lot more of, like, the melodic side to, uh, or more like the chord progressions, uh, structures, I guess, of the songs, because um, he's way better at So how does he take musical criticism from you? <clears throat> you know. Well, sometimes he's, like, looking for it. Like, he'll come with a riff... And he's he hasn't flushed it out the whole idea, and so he's like, "Please help me flush out the idea. Help us! I'm trying to get a song together." And uh, so we're really so we're really good at helping each other with that. We can come to each other with like pieces of stuff, and then kind of mess around with it together. Um, but he's also interesting because he's been, and yeah. if you've ever uh, if you know him at all, like he can get frustrated and all. Like if he's not in the right mood, we're not. It's not ma- It's not happening. Yeah, just don't even try. And so that's when I come into like my. Like I guess producer hat, like as if he was a client or something, and knowing that like 
this is how to get the good stuff out of him. And Hey, this isn't going to work today. Let's try it a different time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there's like some level of that, but then he's also my brother. Yeah. So, so you can tell him, Hey man, knock it off. Let's get to work. You kind of can, but that won't work with him. Usually it'll just make him more annoyed and then we'll be even less productive. And I'm just saying this, look, I, I have my own. Yeah. I'm not like, he, just, can, t- he can say it's the same yeah, thing. He, about can, you he can for areas. sure say stuff to me. Yeah, <laughs> he's sure. not here right now. So I can, count. <laughs> so he's got the mic, yeah. but at the I end of the day, you know, like we work good together. We can get, we can make a good product happen, whatever yeah. it is. Even if it's like, we're accompanying my dad's choir or something like that. Like we can make it happen. Yeah. We're yeah. pretty good. At I always together. love the reactions that whenever y'all, you guys do something special, you know, for, for, uh, during a, a church service or something like that. <laughs> always weird. Uh, yeah. But you know, you guys always deliver and I, I love the, uh, the reaction from the congregation. Cause they're like, <laughs> they're like, that was different, but I like it. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it's fresh for them, right? It's something they haven't heard before normally. And- well, last convocation, I don't last convocation. I don't think me and Ben did something. Yeah, last time I just did something by myself. With the ukulele, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. I did like a mashup of songs and then an original verse in the middle. Yeah, that's that was last year because yeah. um, me and Ben couldn't sync up or he was busy or something. But Very good. Uh, but one of the uh, people from the convocation, like after we did it, he came up. He said he came up and shook my hand and he was like, "Thank you so much for doing something different." And he was like so like intent about it because most people say, "Hey, good job, that was nice," or you know whatever. But he was like, "Hey, thank you so much for doing something different and not doing the same songs and the same thing." And I was yeah. like, "Hey, anytime, yeah. run this tape for me." Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. They've been singing that same tape for 30 years. <laughs> and you yeah. think about it, you know, a lot of these guys that come to our pastor's convocation, and uh, if you're interested, that's going to be happening in March, in the beginning of March. Yeah, follow Elam Church. Months, follow Elam Church to get the dates and all that stuff. You should definitely come out and check that out. But ElamOasis.com. ElamOasis.org. Dot org. I'm sorry. Dot org. Yeah. Not Orca. Org. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no. But like a lot of these guys that you know, they've been they've been doing ministry for 30, 40 years or whatever they go to a lot of conferences they preach in a lot of places probably mostly small churches and stuff and it's the same old sixes and sevens so whenever you hear some something fresh something new you see a young person getting up there and you know communicating the heart of the gospel in a different with a different mode it uh i know it's inspiring well they've a lot of those guys have traveled the world and been in churches that they are watching dying from the inside out. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they come and they hear something like that. And it's refreshing for a young man to uh, use his talents uh, in a different way. Yeah. You know, in a different you know way. it would be interesting to, that those drones that they use to uh, follow those orcas, that if those drones were sent out in churches all, all over the United <laughs> States, what would they say? Are these complex creatures that we're looking at? Hugging, I don't know. I think instead high-fi. of following... Uh, <laughs> These whales, they need to follow the pastors. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey. So, I think they'll some, some of these congregants, and they'll be like, no, nah, there ain't nothing complex there, just boring, uh, no fire, nothing that says that these people have a sign of life. So, um, hey, quick encouragement. Hey, go for it. The Christian life is a fun life. Yeah. It's the most fun life that you can live. It is a constant roller coaster of emotions. It's filled with highs, lows. Yeah, there's there's a lot of in the middle as well, but it is the most meaningful life that you can have whenever you follow God. So if you're listening to us and you're, you know, maybe you're on the fence about this whole God thing, give him a try in 2022, would you? Hey, I, I was just, I was just uh, talking about this today. 
Well, not this first part, but I guarantee you. Well, I don't guarantee you because I really don't know because I haven't made it. <laughs> not guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. David yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those guarantees that God said the Trump's going to win in twenty whatever. And, oh my bad. <laughs> uh, when we get to heaven, I think God's going to be like, man, why were y'all so serious? Mm. I put y'all had dominion over the earth. Y'all could even have fun. You know, like, come on, people, have fun. Mm. We went on a dinner cruise when we was in Florida. And, you know, there was a DJ going on at the bar and all that was going on. And uh, there you go, got the DJ. And, man, we we, we didn't go in the, where they were, you know, having the drinks and all that and the DJ and all the floor. But we stood out in the back of the boat and listened to the music. And there was, I don't know, uh, 10 or 15 people that you they were probably all Christians too, yeah. you know. But we was out there, you know, bobbing our heads, dancing a little bit, having fun, uh, and not not uh, let letting the alcohol to have to drive us. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. Just having some fun with some mm-hmm. friends and different things like that. Yeah, yeah, man. Come on, Christians, have some fun. Have some, some fun. fun. Hey guys, stay tuned. Uh, I got to sit down with Pastor Nufo. Um, This is a pretty interesting one because. We didn't really have anything that we were going to talk about, and then uh, we kind of really got into some of his testimony and him being in prison and the relationship between his wife and kids and different things like that. I think it turned out really good, so sit back and enjoy this uh, this uh, message with uh, Pastor Nuffel. All right, Pastor Nuffel, thanks for stopping by, man, uh, and uh, sh- sharing a few th- uh, moments with us today. How things been going? They're going pretty good. You know, we got off to a good start this year, you know, uh uh, New Year's Eve landed on a Friday, so uh, we had a church service to end the year. It was a tremendous blessing, and then I've been having church every day since. So it's a, uh, it's been a good start to the year. Just yeah. getting uh, getting in the ministry and uh, just seeing the people of God get excited for the Lord, and I'm glad to see this uh, COVID start going behind us. It looks like uh, we got a little spurt coming, but uh, I think it's fading away now. And uh, just praying for God to give us good health so we can have a great year in ministry this year. Right, right. So what's new? What's going on new? You got. Yeah, just planning out our year for this year. You know, last year we had a great year with the, doing the pop up market and the concerts. And uh, this year uh, we're going to start off with a concert on the 29th. We got a concert going on. It's going to be a fundraiser for DJ Kool Aid. He had a uh, aneurysm in his head and had to do brain surgery. And uh, it's by God's grace that he was able to pull through it. And uh, so they uh, got the Christ, uh, Christian hip hop community coming together and uh, doing a fundraiser for him. We're going to have the World Rejects. Uh, Christ is King and a whole bunch of other artists coming. A lot of uh, local artists, Trey Nine will be out there, and uh, a lot of the uh, local Houston Christian, uh, Christian hip hop community is going to come out and help raise some money for him for his medical expenses. You know, uh, medical bills are, are very expensive nowadays, yeah. and it takes away time from work. And uh, you know, when you can't work, you can't get paid. So it's a it's a it's a tough time for for Brother Fernando, and uh, we're just excited to be able to pull together and be a part of that and help them guys uh, raise some money to help Brother. Uh, continuing his walk and his journey with the Lord because it's going to be a tremendous uh, part of his testimony on how God went, allowed him to go through this and for the doctors to do what they had to do and for him to pull through. And uh, I think he just had a child last year, too, so it's going to be a, a big blessing for him to be a part of his son's life, you know. That's awesome. If y'all don't know Pastor Anufo, um Pastor Anufo is our crooks pastor. It's kind of a, a family-type uh, ministry that he has here in our church. Um we have a lot of people from all over the world listening, so not everybody knows who you are. Oh, yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, yeah. 
So, well, let me tell you a little bit about the Crooks Ministry. Yeah. Crooks Ministry is a, is a Friday night church service, and uh, what we do is we reach out to to everyone. Right? It's the church is just a Friday. It's a Sunday morning service, but on Friday night. And what we do is uh, we just teach the word. That's for people that are looking for more of God because Sunday isn't enough. So they wanna they wanna stay plugged in with with what God is doing in their lives and the word to grow on spiritually. And they're hungry for the word. They, you know, the Bible says, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the word, because He will satisfy them." And uh, we got a lot of those right now, and it's exciting to be a part of their journey. And that's why we started calling uh, the Crooks Journey last year. Is that uh, everybody has their own journey with the cross? You know, uh, the the whole meaning behind the Crooks is that Crooks is Latin for the word cross, and the cross is in the in the in the Bible in Luke nine twenty three. And uh, it says uh, to deny yourself and to pick up your cross daily and to follow him. And a lot of us know uh, that picking up our cross isn't just about on Sunday. It's the daily thing that we do as as believers in Jesus Christ. And uh, so we're just a, it's just a great encouragement for them to be prepared for Sunday, to come expecting and to continue to strengthen them in their walk. Because not a lot of churches have services on Friday nights. And uh, we're blessed to be a part of that and uh, to help them uh, seek and to find who God is calling them to be. Amen. Yeah. Uh, we're just talking to Brother Jimmy here uh, last week. And um, he, we were talking about how instrumental you guys were in uh, in his relationship with the Lord, and and um, how you and Brother Lalo y'all wouldn't let him get by with stuff. He'd be pilled out or whatever. Y'all go over there, knock on his door, and drag him to church. And yeah, and I think it's uh, it's important that we have um, people in our lives that no matter what. Uh, is going on they're not afraid to come get in our face a little bit and hold us accountable and and continue to show show people what god looks like and and uh we have this picture of this white jesus that we hang on our wall you know and that's not what that's not what jesus looks like jesus looks like you and me that's right. You know, um, he looks like we are G- we are the face and the hands and the feet of Jesus. And uh, we, he was just talking about, you know, the different things you guys did for him and uh, all the different brothers over there uh, between Friday night and uh, I think there was a Tuesday night Bible study. Yeah, or something. we started off Tuesdays and then we changed it to Mondays, the yeah. men's accountability. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, so. it's great to see the brothers grow like that. And that's why it's so vital that we stay doing the, the Mondays, the Fridays, the Wednesdays, because it keeps us connected because there's a lot of people that didn't grow up in church and they come to find the Lord in their thirties and their forties and all they know is the streets and they need more of God than just a one-time service once a week and uh, to hold them accountable and remind them that just like you were 100 for the street claiming to be a a gangster for life and all that kind of stuff. You come to church and you act like you're all shy. You don't know nothing. And, you know, just like you went hard in the street and you need to come into the kingdom of God and start representing for the Lord and what the Lord has done for us. And that's why it's, it's important to help people to strengthen their testimonies so that when they share that, we get to see the fruitfulness that comes from people that dedicate their lives to the Lord, not just coming occasionally, but coming all the time. And I remember when I first started my walk, this brother goes, yeah, we got those uh, CEO Christians. And I was like, CEO Christians? And he was like, yeah, Christmas, Easter, and occasional guys. And I was like, nah, you know, I don't want to be that brother, you know? And he was like referring to some some brothers that were coming and they'll do the back and forth, but it's a it's a beautiful journey. And, and then, you know, like, like you, uh, Pastor David, is uh, you've been here a long time and you get to see that and you get to see the ones that stay and how they grow and they become somebody because I remember when I first started coming you're the one that turned me on to Christian hip hop I didn't know nothing about Christian rap oh, wow. I, I was listening to KSBJ and I was just like man this is alright but I like rap music and I felt convicted listening to Tubac and yeah. NWA you know and then you turned me on to some uh, CD that you had that was burnt 
And ever since then, I've been listening to Christian hip hop, and uh, we've been a part of the Christian hip hop community the whole time I've been at Crux, and we've been doing the concerts, you know, back in, you know, I think we started in 11, 12, and ever since then, we've been doing them, and uh, it's just been a great part of our ministry to help others. And, uh, you know, people, they want to, they have a talent and a gift to do things for the Lord, but when they don't have a platform to do it on, yeah. they get discouraged. And uh, the Unashamed Concerts has been a tremendous blessing for a lot of individuals, and to see them grow. And to become somebody that God has called them to be is just part of my journey to see that and uh, just see them to pull their life together, their marriages together, and to get out of situations that the enemy has pounded them into and allow them to feel like they're hostage there. But they start coming to church and they start seeing others succeed and it's just a part of a ripple effect. Just like your testimony, my testimony coming from the streets and allowing the Lord to grow us and to groom us to becoming somebody that... 20 years ago, somebody would have told us is we both would have been like, okay. Yeah, for sure. You're, you're, you're okay. I'll, I'll go with it, but I don't see it. But, yeah. you know, the Bible says in the book of John, chapter 11, verse 40, he tells Martha and Mary, he tells them, didn't I tell you if you believed, you would see? And that's been something that's yeah, I really, just read that this week. And that's something that's really been in my spirit this past year. And it's crazy because... um. It's uh, it's something that everybody wants to see at first, but they don't want they, they want to believe it after they see it. But God wants us to give us a vision. He wants us to believe in it and to grow in it so that it becomes our identity. See, we all want to come to church and find ourselves, but we don't want to put in the little footwork that goes into it, the study and the meditations in the book of Joshua, chapter one, verse eight. He says to meditate in His Word, and that's where you separate the big boys from the from the from the Christ, uh, you know, the, the men in the Bible and and the little boys in the Bible, because those are the ones that are growing because they trust in what God has spoken into their spirit. Yeah, you know. All right, so let's just back up for a minute. <laughs> I'm all excited. Man, you're you're over here, pastor on No Falls, uh, quoting scripture and passionate about the Lord. Who was pastor on No Fall in sixth grade? Sixth grade. In sixth grade I was a A B student. Math was my 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 subject. I was in, I was a I was a I was a I used to wear uh, Wranglers with a cowboy belt, really? shirt tucked in, my hair combed to the side and uh you know, I was all about school. And uh, when I when I was from first grade to sixth grade, I was uh, all I was all about my, my my education. I was going to school. My dad was real big on us going to school, but uh, my life took a, a drastic turn in the seventh grade when I went to Edison Middle School. When I was in Days of Allah, I was a, a good student. I just stayed out of trouble. I really didn't do much in elementary. But when I got to uh, I was a little, you know, I wasn't bad, bad. But when I got to the Edison, that's when my life took a, a turn for the worse. It's when I started uh, hanging around some kids and uh, doing things that were. It wasn't. It was just me being influenced to do the smoking marijuana, being involved with uh, uh, the opposite sex, and uh, yeah. it wasn't long before you know my. It was just I wasn't even going to school. You know, I started skipping school and all that in the seventh grade. But in the sixth grade, I was a good kid. I had, I was like one of those kids that would have perfect attendance, go to Astro World because I, I went to school every day. You know, yeah. that was my my drive. Is back then we had Astro World. We didn't have cell phones, but we had Astro World, right? Yeah, and we were uh, just talking about that earlier yeah. today. Yeah, and uh, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's because I I've never been a part of a church my whole life. My whole life, we used to go to the Macleod of Mary, and we would just go occasionally when things weren't going too well. We would go to that church, and uh, we'd go there and. Um, Repent of our sins, you know. And uh, as I got older, and when I when I went to when I got incarcerated, I started reading the Bible and started learning that there's a lot of things that I was doing that weren't that that weren't lining up with what Jesus wanted us to do, or wanted me to do. So uh, I started educating myself by reading the Word first and understanding the Word, and then it took into a process into applying it into my daily life. And 
making it who I was because I wanted to be a good person, but because of the things I was doing in the seventh grade and the things that I picked up and living in the neighborhood and wanting to live the fast life, making money quick, selling and using and, you know, trying to cut corners, it allowed me to end up in places I'd never wanted to be, you know, brokenness, loneliness, depression. You know, those are the things that were consuming my life on a, on a, on a basis, but I was hiding it because I didn't want to share those things. Right. What do you think it was, um, that you made that turn. I know it, it's a lot of times it's in our in our environment and different things like that. But um, I always look back. My my cousin was raised in the same house I was raised in, and um, he he grew up, never got in trouble, went to Bible college, all those things. Me, I, I went to the streets, started smoking weed, gang banging, all those type of things. So. Our environment, yes, it can lead us to certain areas, but there's always that decision that we make or something happens in our life that sends us one direction or the, or, or another. What yeah. was? What do you think that was for you? Well, I was I was supposed to be that kid, like your cousin. Yeah. Because <laughs> me and my little brother, uh, we're only a year and a half apart, and my little brother was always in trouble. And uh, my parents always said that I was going to go to college and I was going to be somebody. And uh, I was doing good in school, but then I uh, got involved in a— and uh, uh, female relations and, you know, started hanging out with girls and it just changed my life and uh, started doing the wrong things. But what really changed my life when I was lost in my sin, I was uh, 30 years old and I was in a place where I couldn't do much for my family. And uh, I saw my little girl, my baby. Um, she was like uh, about 10 years old and uh, she went to visit me because I was in that uh, five-star uh, hotel over there in Beeville. And uh, I used to see her uh, every other week, every two weeks. And then uh, one Sunday, I get to see her, and, and her face went from being a baby to being a little, uh, to being a young woman. Wow! And I said, "Man, I'm missing out on my kid's life." And uh, and something that God uh, that shared that really spoke in my spirit early in my walk was that God blessed me with four kids, and that uh, I needed to be accountable for their lives. And I was barely being accountable for my own life. Yeah. So that was really like the really turning point for me was that 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 Sunday morning because I was walking with God, but I was kind of doing that. Well, I want God to help me, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to live like a Christian when I when I was going to uh, come home. And uh, that Sunday, I think that was the Sunday that really spoke into my spirit and said, "I ain't never going to come here. I'm not going to do nothing to bring myself here." And uh, I think that was the turning point for me was that Sunday when uh, Ariel was a. Uh, came there and I seen her face and she looked at me and she says why are you looking at me like that cuz it 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 came live to me that I was missing out on on the on her childhood and uh when I came home I just started living for the Lord and I came to Elam Church and uh, there's only church I've been a part of and uh here we are yeah 15, I think I've been here 15 years and uh wow yeah since 2007 I came May 7th of 07 wow yeah, that was my first uh uh, Elam experience. Yeah, I had I had one of those moments. When, I, uh, luckily, I never went to prison, but I was in and out of county jail for you know ten years. And um, my son uh, Joshua, he was probably three or four, and uh, and I was like, man, I'm not hurting nobody. I'm just hurting myself. Let everybody leave me alone. I'm gonna do me. Yeah. And I remember him looking through the glass and says, uh, "Daddy, I want to stay with you." And, and it broke my heart. The only time I ever cried, you know. Um, and then I went back to my 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 bunk, and I was just like, "I'm not doing this again," 
you know, I had that moment. Um, was there anybody that was instrumental to you while you was locked up that, that kind of walked you through um, some of your questions and different things like that when you was studying? Yeah, I had, a, I had a guy there. His name was Adolfo Gonzalez from McAllen, Texas. Yeah, he was my... Uh, it was a, it's, a, it's a funny story. I've shared it several times with the brothers. It's a, I was reading my Bible in the morning because I wanted to make a change, but I really never knew how. So I'm reading the Bible for my third time <laughs> from the beginning to the end. I get up in the morning, I'll read my Bible, and I was sitting there, and this brother comes up to me, and he says, Hey, man, I've been watching you read your Bible. What you reading? I said, Right now I'm reading Genesis, but I just started all over again. He goes, what do you think about Lot? I said, Lot? I said, who's that? He goes, you're reading Genesis and you don't know who Lot is? And I said, nah. I was reading the, the King James Version. And he sat down. He started the, breaking down the Bible to me. And the first thing he told me was that I needed to, to remember one thing. And that was that the Bible is a history book. You have to learn to put the history together so that you can understand the revelations that God wants us to live in right now. And I was like, all right, cool. So he said, excuse me. Excuse me. And uh, so he started helping me, and me and him uh, had Bible study every day for six months. And uh, when we, when he left, I was like, man, how am I going to keep going? And the Spirit of the Lord was already stirred up in me. And just like I shared earlier, he says, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for he would he will satisfy you. And I just kept doing what he would, what me and him were doing. And the Lord just started to speak to me. And I, I knew something, God was going to do something with me. But the enemy kept lying to me, telling me that uh, that I wasn't. And my, my flesh would say that you weren't going to be able to live this life. But my spirit was telling me, you're going to do something. You're going to do something. Because the word, when I would read it, it would I would get a revelation. And it was just like putting the puzzle together for me, putting the history together. And, uh, I, I, and I, I was kind of scared of it because... Uh, with that comes much. You know, when God gives us something, he expects us to do something with it. He doesn't want us to bury it. He wants us to let it shine for him. And uh, it's hard to let something shine when uh, when you don't know, you know, uh, what all it is entailed in that. But uh, it's, been a, it's been a beautiful process. And, uh, you know, I know you said, well, I only cried once. I'll be crying all the time, you know. <laughs> and uh, lately, I, you know, I've been, I haven't been crying as much. But uh, I think it's because God has done a lot of healing in my life. And, yeah. Uh, I think that, that that all that brokenness was just a bunch of heartache that I was holding in because my whole life I was told that a man don't cry. And then uh, when I was incarcerated, man, I started crying a lot. And I was just like, man, I'm looking like a chump in here. <laughs> and uh, But it was just part of the process. God just showing me my identity, showing me my purpose, showing me some things that he hadn't lined up for me, you know. And it's just like right now we got a, we got a lot of brothers right now and uh, that have never been to jail. They're, you know, they, they don't know that life. God blessed them to where they weren't able to be a part of that and they get to hear the how God manifests and I tell them man we got a lot of jailhouse lawyers a lot of jailhouse ministers we need ministers out here Yeah, you don't need to go to jail to find God you know I, I wish I could have found people spoke life upon me along my journey but I never listened to them I had to go to a place where I, I didn't have no choice and it was hard to, to live for him there but uh because of the ridicule and and the judgment that comes with that, but a, a man is if you if you're gonna be a man there, you're gonna be a man out here. That's right. what I tell the brothers because yeah. I get to do a lot of prison ministry today too, and I, I remind them that if you're gonna be a man in here, you're really gonna be a man when you go home. But if you hide here, you're gonna hide when you go home. That's right. That's and, right. And that's the that's the truth behind that. So how instrumental was that that uh, that six months uh, on your life now that. You have these Bible studies with all these men on Monday nights. 
it's like it's it's so it really really dictates on how the person that I am and uh, because of one man stopping what he was doing. This brother, he taught me how to. Uh, he taught me about giving in jail. He taught me how to uh, pray in jail. He taught me about looking out for other believers, not just looking out for anybody. He taught me the, the world looks out for its own people. Why don't we look out for the Christian man? Wow! And that really spoke to me because even to this day, like when uh, when I when I look to do stuff, I look to help the people that are that are involved in in in, in their walk with God. They're trying to make a difference. I want to help them. And remind them, because it's easy to help anybody that stands at a corner with a sign, but to help somebody that you know is crying out to God and God's going to use you as an instrument to show favor to that man, to that woman, to that family and say, you know what? The Lord put it in my heart to bless you because God knows his servants and the needs that they have. Just because they don't confess their needs to you doesn't mean they don't have a need. Right. You know, because we all come to church and, and we have our, our, our moments where we could... We could do things different, and and uh, but because of lack of finances or lack of this or lack of that, and the Lord puts in someone's heart to do it, and you do it, and that person just begins to weep because they've been crying out to God for that, and you're just like, wow, God spoke to me in the spirit and allowed me to be that vessel for Him. That's and good. It's, it's it's deep. Gets there. And that dude, that that guy, that brother, and I haven't seen him since, but I. I uh, had a couple of brothers that I did Bible study with come to the church because I told them that I was going to come here. And I, but I didn't think I was going to stay here. I said, I'm probably going to do a drive-by because uh, I don't know about that church. And then uh, when I got here, the love of God was so overwhelming. It's just, uh, And that's something that, that our church is known of is that uh, we really go above and beyond to greet the people, to allow them to feel at home here because this is home. Yeah, this ain't our house. It's God's house, so uh, everybody needs to feel loved here. I remember a a young Arnulfo. Um, my my first interaction with you was uh, we was having a, uh, a outreach or something out here on the lawn, and you was uh, me and you got paired up picking up chairs or something afterwards, and that was kind of my my first experience with you and your son. Yeah, I was out there um, just doing whatever you could do. Uh, volunteer I, wherever you can volunteer. I remember what what it meant that was too. That was for Pastor Ron's. Uh, I think it was his twenty uh, fifth year as pastor. Okay, yeah, because yeah, they put up that big old tent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're like me. Behind every great man, there's a great woman. Um, and and uh, I tell you, when uh, I was locked up, my wife came and see me every single day and brought my kids. As much as I wanted to see him, and and uh, she's been instrumental in my ministry and uh, really who I am as a man, you know. And uh, I know you have one of those at, at the house. Uh, just tell yeah. me, tell me a little bit of how instrumental your wife was holding it down while while you were locked up and raising kids. And, and oh man, uh, this gonna this Gloria was uh, more than. Anybody could ever envision. Every time I tell people my my testimony with Gloria, they're like, you "Should write a book? Yeah, <laughs> should be on Lifetime." And uh, give me the summary of that testimony because I know the, she's the a great summary woman. is this: I met Gloria at a De La Hoya fight, and uh, we started talking, and uh, we dated for almost a year. And during that year, I had uh, got in trouble, and uh, and uh, I was on probation, and I ended up going to prison. When I went to prison, uh, I remember that day like it was yesterday. Gloria was sitting across the glass, and she tells me to sign for the time, and she was going to uh, move in with my mom and help my mom raise my kids. Wow. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, this, this is going to last a couple months. And uh, I stayed in prison for three years, and during those three years, Gloria, she moved in my mom's house for a year, and she moved out, 
got an apartment for her and the kids. And, uh, she lived at my mom's house for one year with the kids. Coming, She wrote me a letter every day. Every day I got a letter from her. She came and saw me every day in the county. And when I first went to my first two prisons, she was there every Sunday. On my last prison, she was coming every two weeks because it was a little distance. And then uh, the last two years, she got an apartment for me and her and the kids. And when I came home, uh, I had when I got locked up, I was uh, lost, confused, depressed, and uh, cooked on. I was an alcoholic, drug addict, and uh, got out. And I had Gloria, and uh, Gloria had an apartment. And I, I've been sober ever since. I've, I've never, uh, I never drank. Because Gloria told me this when I was out for a few months. I told Gloria, you know, I've been out. I've been doing good. And uh, I think it's okay if I drink a beer here and there. And she was just like, you drink, I leave you. Wow. And I was just like, it's like that. <laughs> she says, yeah, it's like that. I'm not going to tolerate that life. I don't want to live like that. And uh, so we've been together ever since. We've been married 17 years, been living together for the you know, 15 years that I've been out. And... Uh, She's been a, the rock behind our marriage, the rock behind the ministry that I lead. She's the one that really, really uh, reminds me of how faithful God is. Because uh, there's times when we feel that uh, our time in ministry is up, you know, time for a change, time for this. Because it's it's easy to tap out on things. And I share this all the time is that uh, my whole life, I've started a lot of things in life, but I hardly ever finished anything. You know, I start a job, I leave. I start a business, I stop it. I start a, you know, everything has an end. And uh, Crux has been going for the, you know, 12 years, really 14 years, but 12 under my leadership. And uh, it's because of Gloria and her uh, believing in in the righteousness that God has placed within her husband. And, uh, man, yeah. I know when you asked me that, I was going to cry for sure. <laughs> well, I know, bro, because I got one at yeah, home. I know. you got, and, and just like your wife, Gloria's real big on education. Yeah. And that's I think my, my kids have the foundation they have because Gloria is the, the woman that she is. And she really, you know, she's silent on the sideline, but she's strong. Yeah. She, she's the backbone. That's what the wife needs to be. And, uh, and uh, you got one. I got one. Pastor Mark. Yeah, Calvin, they got got man. Some bride and dies. You know, I was talking. I was talking to uh, Andrew. Uh, He's probably sixteen, seventeen years old, and we were just talking about things. I think we were like, don't even. We were in the car somewhere, going to like maybe some youth camp or or something. We were just talking. It was just like a few of us in in a car, getting the overflow from the van and stuff. And we were just talking about family, and I was just asking him about you know his 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 parents and different things like that. And he said uh, he was saying. I got a blank. Uh, what's your wife's name? Gloria. Gloria. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, uh, he was like, Gloria is not my mom, but she's my mom, you know? <laughs> and he was just telling me like, that is his mom. And, uh, there's something special about that when anybody can have a kid. Yeah. But when you get picked to be somebody's kid, that's special, bro. Like somebody adopts you because they have, they because they pick you and say, "I want you as my kid." Yeah, you know that that's something special. Yeah, and you see that with my kids is that uh, they they really really love Gloria. Yeah, and uh, because she was all they had during that time, and uh, that you know, a part of from that day when I saw Ariel's face is that's been a, a, a huge part of uh, of me being where I am is because Gloria is Proverbs thirty one. You know, she's a uh, She's a 
She's been there for me. And because God told her to stand by me, I tell her, why you stayed with me? And she goes, because God told me to. Yeah. I thought you were going to think because you loved me. <laughs> she, goes, she smiles and she goes, that too. But the main reason was because God, I felt the Lord telling me to stand by you. And I was just like, man. You know, that's, that's, that's great because a lot of times it takes that because we're not lovable sometimes. You yeah. know, sometimes we're, and, and, and I know for, for me, uh, it was hard for Sandra to love me at times because I made myself unlovable because I was, you know, I still had some street stuff in me and I was not always the best I could be, but she loved me because God told her she was going to be my helpmate, you know? Um, so when praise God, they listened. I know. Right. <laughs> so how did you get from studying the word in prison to Pastor Anufo, like what, what? What was that that time? I know you got out. Uh, I seen you out here on the lawn. You, you've you know uh, chipping in wherever you can. So how how did that happen? Submitting to authority. You know uh, that's the problem with the uh, big problem with Christianity today is that uh, we want to go and we want to do what we want to do. We want to be spirit led, but we don't want no some we don't want to submit to no authority in our lives. And when I started coming here, and Brother Josh helped me a lot. He started teaching me how to handle myself, how to deal with things in a way that was pleasing to God and not pleasing to the world. You know, I was always taught to be a man of the world, and uh, started coming here, spending time. I I was uh, I was blessed to come here when I did and 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 the job that I had. I started working at a bake I was working as a mover and uh I didn't work out too long so there about three months. And I started working a night shift at a bakery and uh it would turn out to be the greatest I've never worked night shift in my life and uh it turned out to be a real big blessing because I would get off of work and I would come in here on Monday mornings and talk to Pastor Ron for like an hour or two. I would go with Brother Josh to nursing homes and to go do help and, and, uh, and the elderly's homes and uh, to do different things for the elderly and just to volunteer with him on Mondays, on my days off. And I would hang out with him and I would always be talking to him about how God had used him and the things that God was doing in his life and just living a life how the godly man lived. And uh, I didn't I didn't I didn't spend my weekends wondering what my friends were doing. I was just stuck here and submitted to authority here and uh I told Josh to be, if he would be my mentor, and he said sure. And he would, he was there for me uh, tremendously. Him and his wife Martha, and uh, you know, even when I remember one uh, in the beginning of, the, of our of our journey, we weren't uh, pastors yet. There was a, a hurricane that hit. I don't know which one. I can't forget which. I don't remember which one it was. And I was at my house without power, and he was telling me, "Come live at my house. Come stay with me while you don't have no power." And I was just like. And I don't feel comfortable because my kids, you know, I got four kids. I mean, and uh, it was just him and Martha. And uh, we went to go live with him. And uh, it really showed me that when you when you love God, you don't judge people. Because he knew my background. He knew where I came from. He knew the, my, my, my struggles. And here's this guy that's got his life in order. And he's living. And he lets me come live in his house for seven days. Yeah, and he helps me take my kids here and there. Wow, me and Gloria were both trying to go to work because 
you know, you don't work, you don't eat. And uh, that sounds really, like Brother Josh. Yeah, he was like, and he's disciplined my kids, telling my kids, you do this like this. You you don't throw this trash in here. You throw your trash in there. And when you close the door, you don't just close it. You turn the knob and then close it and all this kind of stuff. And me and my kids were like, oh, wow, this is this is different. This is boot camp. Yeah. Is, <laughs> you know, Josh is a military man. Yeah. And, and he, he, he here's one thing Josh told me. He says, look, we're going to play ball. We're going to play on my field. We're going to play with my bat. We're going to play with my ball. We're going to play by my rules. And that's how a mentorship should be, is that when you, when you tell somebody, hey, I want you to be my mentor, you should listen to what he has to bring to you. Whether you think it's right or wrong, you have to go through the process to see why he's right and why he's wrong. Yeah. But a lot of us don't want to do that. We're just like, I don't, I'm, this ain't for me. I'm gone. I'm a man just like you are. I ain't, ain't, ain't hearing that. I can't. I'm, you're not going to tell me how to turn a doorknob. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm above that. You yeah. know, and and there was a there was, all that played the role because it it didn't it spoke more into my kids' life. Yeah. Because when we left there, my kids were like, "Hey, we don't do it like that. We do it like this." And it was kind of joking at first, but then it became Habit. something that we did yeah. because it gives it takes care of the property. Yeah. It makes a longevity for your home, right? It, everything means something. And it was just, it was crazy. But uh, yeah, that uh, brother Josh, Pastor Ron, and uh, and uh, was really big time. And I'm going to tell you something. When we started Crux Ministry in 2010, that was a, a, it was a crazy year. And uh, because when we started that, um, I said, Pastor Ron asked me if I would uh, consider it. He said, "Why don't you pray about it?" I said, "I ain't got to pray. It's, we're doing it. I'm ready." And uh, it's, you know, I, I, I'd always vision one day if I could preach. And uh, and I said, "But I don't know if people are gonna come." Yeah. <laughs> I said, "We can. I'm gonna do it, but I don't know if nobody's gonna come." And Brother Josh told me, he goes, well, "You already got a group of people following you." And I said, "They ain't following me." He goes, "Yeah, they are." He goes, "Watch when you go. This family, that family, that family, that family, that family. They're gonna go with you." And I was just like. And they ain't going with me because mm. they don't look at me like that. He goes, yeah, they do. You just don't see it. Dude, and and I, I'm not taking credit for nothing here at all. But when uh, I came and talked to you, you know, I'm just like, what do you want to do? Because I remember that night. I seen the same thing, bro. I seen like you were a natural born leader. And people around you were, uh, you were like a magnet, you know, and people wanted to go where you was going and doing the things that you were doing. And um, Crux was a baby to us, you yeah. know, and uh, we didn't want to just turn it over to just somebody, you know, we just wanted to, we wanted somebody that was going was gonna to take care of the baby. You know what I'm saying? That was the, the biggest ministry gift I ever got was that right there because when I when I took that over at first I said man I could do this for a few months and then um, it just took off and uh, I remember that night when you and uh, Jeremy y'all asked me they, you told me what do you see yourself doing I said I see myself preaching <laughs> and then later on I found out that y'all had put my name in the hat for that yeah and I was just like man dude it was it was just one of those. It was a God thing, you know. It was. It was really I never. A God I didn't thing. see that. that yeah. was, that's deep. Man. Sometimes we we have to uh, we have to allow people to uh, see things in our life because we're 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 such in the middle of everything that we can't really see um, 
you know, what they say, you can't see the trees from the forest. That's right. You know, um, and we have to have people in our life that we trust that we can say, hey, man, God sees, you know, God's doing something in your life. And that, that's what's so awesome to have wives like we have because they can speak in our, in, in our lives and we know that it's coming from a good place. Uh, but you got to be careful because everybody wants to speak into your life, too. Yeah, you got you to gotta, you gotta learn which ones to push to the side because I've had a lot of people tell me a lot of stuff. A lot of you know prophecies over my life. It's more. It's not stuff. It's you know what they feel. What they're telling me. What the Lord has given them. And uh, and there's some that uh, you know that are that are yet to happen. But it's it's not when you want them. It's just like when David was chosen king. He he, he stayed and he was a shepherd boy for a long time before God took him out of that. And it's because it's part of the process. Everybody's journey is different because we all have different potentials and different characters and. Uh, uh, characteristics and uh god is going to come through with it and uh you know this year's going to be a big year for us last year we did really uh we did a lot of outreaching we did a lot of uh of concerts we did a lot of uh, of events and uh, we've seen a lot of people we had uh, you know several rededications new dedications baptisms in the parking lot in the building and uh but the biggest thing that we got out of 2021 was that uh even through the pandemic we we had a lot of people that were still hungry for God because in our in our in our 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 biggest fear is not making it to heaven. And when people were coming out of the pandemic, they were really not knowing their destination. Yeah. And that's why people become afraid of death because they don't they don't know if they would make it through the gates, through the pearly gates. Mm-hmm. And uh that's something that that uh having a relationship with Jesus you don't have that fear because you know you're doing the things that God has asked you to do, and you're doing them to the best of your ability. Because we're not all going to be teachers, but we're all servants. And the more, the, the the sooner we realize that through serving, God is going to lead us to where we need to be. Yeah, I was listening to Elon Musk the other day, and um, they said uh, they was asking him about his first rocket that he had people in. You know, and uh, how nervous was he? And he's like, man, I'm, I'm really not a religious guy. He goes, but I kneeled and prayed on that one. You know what I'm saying? So it's like people, they don't want to be religious until it counts. And then they want to call upon God, you know. Um, so you, you you started something a while ago, and I think it's important that we, we talk about, um, especially you do a lot of uh, mentoring with, uh, with men. And um, talk about submitting. You, you almost hit on it, and then we went a different direction. But just the importance of submitting, uh, having people in our life that we can trust and listen to. Uh, talk to the the young men out there and, and give, tell them why it's important. Because submitting is how you find the face of God. You know, Moses had to submit and uh, do what he had to do. David had to submit to the authority God had in his life. You know, and... Uh, I feel that God leads us to the right people, but we feel that we can't do it because we feel they want us to do it their way. But it's not their way. It's They're wanting us to do it in a way that they know that works. And we're used to seeing things being done in a way that works to us. And we got to remember the things that we've grown to to understand are the things of the flesh. And when God is separating us from that, we don't know how to detach ourselves from that because that's what we, that's the the biggest part for a young man to let go of is his pride, to say that I don't know that and you know it better. And that's what really, what keeps them in bondage is trying to hold on to that pride. And you don't pick and choose your mentor. 
you know, God picks them for you because God's going to pick somebody that's going to discipline you, that's going to allow you to see something different. And a lot of times in life, we want to pick somebody that has the same background, has the same similarities in our life. And sometimes that's not the person you need in your life. Sometimes it's going to be somebody that didn't go through all that stuff. Just like Brother Josh, he, he never been to jail. Brother Josh was in the military. He was a Marine. He went to the war, came home, raised a family, and uh, he's living a great life. And, and when I come, I'm, I'm totally opposite. I've been through the pits of hell, and and I'm telling him, and he says, "Well, I'll, I'll help you, but you're gonna, you're gonna, you have to listen to me." He says, "We're gonna play on my field with my bat and my ball with my rules." And I'd be like, "Man, but your rules are kind of strict." And he's like, "But do you want it or not?" Yeah. And it was a choice that I had to make. And it was hard for me because especially when uh, when he would give me advice on how to be a father and how to be a husband. And, and I was just like, but I'm already doing those things. He goes, but you do, you can do it better. And, and sometimes in life we settle for mediocre and we need somebody to push us to be better so we could be a better parent. Because uh, I'm going to uh, something that that uh, that I that uh, that I want to I want to leave behind is that not my kids, my kids see me live in my sin, but my grandkids, my grandkids' kids, I don't want them to ever know that Grandpa was this and was that and, and or see it. They can know about it, but they won't see it, so they won't believe in it. But uh, uh, submitting to, to, the, to the right person is about obeying God, and when God leads you to that person, if you ask somebody, hey, brother, I can, will, you, will you be willing to mentor me? You you need to be willing to receive the correction that this brother has for you because he's gonna do he's gonna ask you to do things that are gonna take you out of your comfort zone because he's he's not gonna he's not gonna tell you what you want to hear he's gonna tell you what you need to hear and that's something that we need to learn to accept this man is that serving God isn't always gonna be about feeling good about going through the mountain it's about going through the valleys and receiving correction and being disciplined so that when we have to make choices we can make choices on our own and we will be able to be a witness to someone through the choices we make and allowing them to see God in in the way we live, not in the, just in the way we speak. Something that spoke to me too here recently was that God is looking for a partnership, for a partnership, not for a for an echo. Mm. You know, we think we just echoing scriptures here and there that we that, that God's going to give us favor, but God is looking for a partnership with Him. He wants you to partner up with Him and follow the things that He has for you. It's good to know scripture, good to know the address, it's good to know the book. But it's better to live in it and to be transparent that God has used you because that's one of the, the things that are giving you energy. Because in, in, the, in the journey of life, we're going to go through loneliness, depression, angerness, uh, you know, lust, all these different emotions that come a part of our life. There's a scripture that's going to kill that sin in your life. You got to find it. You got to dig for it. And when you find that scripture, because everybody wants to use Google, scriptures for lust, you read them and they don't really hit. You read a story. And the scripture hits, you highlight it, you write it down 20, 30 times like you did in elementary when they used to tell you, don't talk no more in class, write it down 100 times. Yeah. Remember that? Mm -hmm. You start writing it down, and that scripture becomes life. So next time you read it, you're going to be like, oh, I remember that. And you just repeat it to the enemy and let him know that he ain't going to play with you no more. And right. that's, that's that's where uh, submitting is uh, is a big part, and that's why uh, on Mondays we have a good, we have a good, we good have a good crowd of guys right now. And... Uh, 
we uh, we have a lot of guys that, that, that we we're doing a lot through text messaging. Text messaging has been a real good way to keep up with people, holding them accountable, reminding them to to speak out their goals in Christ Jesus. What do you What do you want from God this year, and what are you going to do to get there? And holding them accountable for that throughout the year, so that they can grow spiritually. Because we all know about growing in the flesh, starting the gym, starting a diet, and all that kind of stuff. We can see the results, but the spiritual results. How do you see that in the way he lives and the way he carries himself? The way he talks, the way he dressed. That's how you see spiritual maturity in a person. The Bible says, come as you are. But as the journey changes, your dress pattern changes, your vocabulary changes, because God is changing you from the inside out. And it becomes transparent, and, and your kids see it, your wife see it. You don't really see it because you're 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 that person that's changing. And then you hear somebody tell you, bam, bro, I'll, God is doing something in your life, and that's when you're like, nah, I'm just that same old heathen. <laughs> you know, you're not, because God is doing a, mad, a a big change in your life. And, you know, I appreciate you seeing that in me and, and believing in me, David, in the beginning. And that was back in 2009 that's when crazy. all this happened. That's been a long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, who who knew that, you know, here we are, you know, 13, 14 years later doing a podcast. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Talking about our journey. Back then, I didn't even know if we even knew what a podcast was. <laughs> no, there was no <laughs> such thing back then. One last question. This is something that's been near and dear to my heart. Um, I remember, I'm, I'm a busy man, just like you. We got lots of things going and, um, you know, uh, and and you you're kind of on the other side of it now because you're all your kids are grown and they're out of you know, out of the house whatever you want to call that because they come back and they leave again and and all those good things. Uh, but you know we were talking about earlier about seeing our kids change while we were locked up. Um, and I remember one time Luke came to me when he was a little kid. And he says, "Dad, you have time for work, you have time for church, but you ain't got you ain't got time for me, <laughs> you know." And it broke my heart. And um, so I just I just really was intentional about certain things. And then and then I, I see myself slipping back in it again with Noah. Um, and and I've made this decision like to not say no to him. Like, hey, Dad. You know, he's eight. He wants to throw the ball. He wants to play basketball. And, you know, I'm working two or three jobs and, and I'm trying to provide for the family and make a, you know, all do all these things and give him all the, you know, he, he likes all the fancy clothes and all that as an eight-year-old. You know, and I'm trying to give it to him. But at the same time, I realized that I'm missing him grow up just like I was when I was locked up, but I'm right there next to him. Yeah. You know, now that you have that opportunity to to, to be on the other side of it and that your kids are grown, um, speak on that a little bit, how we try to balance life and time and, and ministry and work and fathers. Yeah, and- yeah that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big point. You know, uh, when Andrew was about 15, 16 years old and he was a uh, – I mean, Andrew uh, – when Andrew was a teenager from 14 to 17, we had a, we had a rough relationship. Uh, Andrew thought he knew everything and, and, uh, and, uh, he was trying to, you know, uh, he wanted me to be his friend and not his dad. And I said, I can't do it. And, uh, I remember he, me and him, we had some heated conversations and, uh, and I remember one time he was going through some stuff at school and, uh, we're riding home in the truck, just like what you just said about Luke. Andrew tells me, uh, I said, why don't you tell me all this, dude? And he says, because you're always 
busy with the church and I didn't want to bother you with my stuff. Yeah. And uh, that broke my heart. And uh, since then, I, I make time for him. And uh, you know, I, I play I play softball on Thursdays with the, with my son. We play at, at uh, we're playing at Kipper Meets for a good while. Now we're playing at Deer Park. The only reason I do it is to spend time with my son. Yeah. My son started golfing, and I I've been going to hit the balls every now and then with him. He goes to the gym. I go to the gym just so I can spend time with my son. And and I take my my girls out. I go spend time with them. Right now I got a car seat in my truck so I can pick up my grandbaby and take her to go eat lunch and take her home. And you have to make, you have to sacrifice things in life because you only get one go at it with your kids. You know, once your kids grow up and they become who they are, and if you missed out on it, it's, you can't go back in time. And I, I, I preach to the brothers all the time, man, before you come to Bible study, before you come to all these events we're doing, I want you to spend time with your kids. Bring your kids, spend time with them. I'm a big promoter. Don't 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 miss out on the best years of your life, man. Being a dad, I know it seems hard, but these are the best thing because you're gonna have the memories of seeing them grow, seeing them throw the ball, seeing them have their first scrapes on their knees, learn seeing them with that facial expression when they make their first basketball goal, when they make a a jump shot, when they when they learn how to catch the ball. All these things are priceless moments that we don't get to redo in life. Because once they grow, they grown. That's it. And when you don't spend time with your kids, they get older. They don't want to be with you. And uh, I'm blessed that uh, me and my kids are really close. We have a group text going. And every day we're on there texting to each other, like, what we're eating, where we're going, what we did. And just keeping in contact so we know who's where and what's going on. And uh, and it's been, a, it's been a journey because you have to go through the rough patches, you know. It's like in you know, our walk with God, you got to go through the valleys to get to the mountaintops. And it's like that with your kids as they're finding their identity. And I don't agree with all their choices, you know. They make some 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 knucklehead decisions at times, <laughs> and I tell them. But uh, you know, uh, they uh, they learn. And uh, but it's it's a it's something that uh, you got to remember in life is that uh, when we're little kids, we want to help our parents, we want to be around our parents, we want to do stuff for our, for our parents. But once we hit a certain age. Our parents become dull and boring, and, and we don't want to be seen with our kids. We don't want us to be seen with our mom and dad. You, you, I hear the stories all the time where, like, they'd be like, she used to hold my hand. Now she don't hold my hand. And when I drop them off at school, they don't want to tell me I love me back because mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't want the, the other kids to hear them. Yeah. But when you spend a lot of time with them, they, they, they do it because they don't care because right. they know they have that strong bond with you. And uh it's a it's a it's a priceless journey being a, a parent, and like you said earlier, if God has placed some kids in your life, just because you didn't make them doesn't mean that they're not yours. God allowed you to be a part of their life because He wants you to be somebody in their life. And today we live in a society where almost every family is blended. Um, not all there's a high percentage of them, right? Yeah. And being in a blended family means that you don't only love that person, you love their children as well, like your own. And if you can't do that, you shouldn't be in that relationship because that child, a child is born into this world, not by choice, but because they, God gave them, God brought them into the world, not as a mistake, because somebody's going to love that child. And all a child wants is love. They want time and love. You give them time and love, they're going to be happy because you can't buy love because they're going to, those are the kids that they don't want to sit still. But the ones that are, that they, they get time and love. Those are good kids. Yeah. They're all great kids, they're but, all good. but you gotta, you gotta spend more time with the ones that are, they don't know how to sit down, you know, because of, uh, uh, we're busy, you know, being in a blended family means that both parents usually work the mom and the dad work. And, uh, and that's something that you got to learn to have time management skills and, and be a good steward of the time that God gives you with your children and allowing you to see the, the blessing that they are to your marriage and, and to finding your identity in Christ. Because that they play a big part of the, of the rest of your life once you have kids in your life. 
They're not something that's going to be apart for a couple of years. Right. I know uh, my oldest son, Adam, uh, I adopted him when he was five. And uh, when he was about to graduate from high school, we sat him down. We just like... With like we we know you we know you know that I'm not your dad right you know it was one of those kind of conversations and um, and we just told him like if you want to know we'll tell you you know we don't want to try to keep nothing from you and and uh, I always cry when I tell this story um, but he said no you're my you're my dad you know we've been passing uh, tissues tissues back and forth through this whole thing <laughs> both of us titty babies and he said you're my dad you know. And uh, and me and him are probably the closest out of all, all of all of my kids because I didn't treat him no different than any other kid. You know, I, I loved him just uh, just for who he was, and I loved my other ones for who they were. You know, and, and it's all been different. And now I, I I got a second chance because I have three kids that are you know in their twenties, and then I got you know Noah and Luke that are fifteen and eight. Well, I got a second opportunity to, to try to do it right. You know, not spend time in jail, not being high, not being drunk, to be present in their life, um, and then and now I I, I have I, I tell Noah um, if I if I can't do it right then, I said give me fifteen minutes, yeah. let me let me finish this right and then stick to it, you know, uh, because I got in a habit. I was just like no no not right now maybe tomorrow, not right now maybe tomorrow, and, right. then, and he's he said you told me that three days in a row. You know, so now I'm just like very present in their life, making sure that I evaluate like what what are you doing? Like you're just on the internet watching videos or you're just watching TV. Why can't you stop that and go play basketball? Or you're watching football, you would rather watch another man throw a ball and catch a ball than then be outside throwing a ball and catching catch a, a ball with your kid, you know? That's and, good. And uh so I'm I'm really trying to be uh, present in, in, in their yeah. life, present in my wife's life, and, That's and all good. those things right now. And so. you're blessed to have that. Because yeah. I, I tell that to there's a brother that comes to church with me, Brother David, and uh, he has a son that's 20, and he has a son that's 3, and he's like a whole different dad because he has another chance at being a father. And when God gives us another chance, you have to make the best of it. Right. You know, we all got to work and do things. But uh, just real quick, uh, something before we wrap it up is that uh, I wanted to share that— uh, that God didn't call me for a certain group of people. God called me to be a minister of hope to the world, right? And I know sometimes along the journey, we uh, people pick up things and they want to label you a certain way. But those are things that, that, that people pick up. God didn't put put that label on me. God called me to be a minister of hope to his people. And uh, and if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, God has given me a word for you today is that, that to give you hope. Because no matter where you came from, whether you came from a Christian home or you came from the streets, God has a better plan for you in your life. But he wants you to come wholeheartedly to him because he wants you to see something. But you're too busy holding on to something that didn't God didn't give you. The world placed it on you. God didn't give us a label as a drunkard, as a liar, as a thief, as, a, as an adulterer. We didn't, those are labels that we pick up along the journey in, in our walk, whether you went to church or didn't go to church as a kid. And right now we, we started a class called Life After I Do, me and my wife, Gloria. It's the first and third Saturday of, of the month of, Jan, of January, February, and March. And then we're going to do it again in uh, July, September, and October. And, uh, you know, no, July, August, and September, I'm sorry. And uh, I do men's Bible study on Mondays. My wife does men's Bible study on Mondays now. They changed it from Tuesdays to Mondays so we can do it to, in two different buildings. But we do it at the same time so we can spend Tuesday together, right? And uh, so that's a blessing. And we do Friday night ministry. We have church here on Wednesday nights. And we have church here on Sunday mornings. And uh, I'm here I'm here a lot. And uh, 
God, if you need something or if you want to reach out to us, we're here at the church all the time. Pastor David's here. I'm here. Pastor Mark's here. And uh, we got associate Pastor Bobby here. We got a, we got a whole crew of pastors here. So re- reach out on us at elamoasis.org. Exactly. Hit us on the, the comment section down there and send us an email. Yeah, and, and, and if you got anything, just uh, call the church, ask for me, and uh, they give my number out because I don't, I don't, I don't need to hide my number from nobody. And uh, so uh, if y'all need anything that, that needs to do with ministry, if you're looking to get involved, you're looking for something, you're looking for a church service, you want to come and be a part of a church. We're a non-denominational church. We just want to share the love of Jesus. And that's something that, that comes uh, from growing with God and uh, founding uh, yourself. Don't we got the love 3D love conference 3D coming love up? Conference, conference coming up the second weekend in uh Second week of uh, February. February. We got that coming up. We got stuff coming up. We, and we have uh, we have we have a lot of ministry going on. We could be spent the whole 30 minutes just giving you the rundown for the year. Right yeah. now, we got so many events for the year, and uh, we're just excited for what God is doing. And I just want to give a shout-out to my team, uh, my uh, Crux leadership team. You know, we have, a, we have a dance team. We have a worship team. We have security team. We have the nursery workers that work on Sundays. They work on Fridays for us. The heroes behind the ministry. Yeah, the big heroes. When they got a big blessing. They got a nice mirror in there now. They don't have to just come see this uh, dull wall. <laughs> got Brother Calvin over there painting it up. And uh, if, if, if you come to Elam Church, go by the nursery and see the, the, the talented brother, uh, uh, Calvin's uh, artwork. He can really, uh, he can really uh, paint uh, on the wall. He's a, he's a great artist. But uh, those are the, the the ministers behind the scenes that we don't hear a lot about is the nursery workers, the people that do security to yeah. make sure that we have that we're safe here on Friday nights. Yeah, we got people that do security here on Friday nights. We got people that do the worship every week. Uh, we got people that do greeting. We got people that work in the kitchen. We got we got a lot of people in the ministry. Prayer partners. Uh, we got a da- We got everything. That a, that, a, that a standard church would have on a Sunday morning. And uh, it's because of the grace of God and so many volunteers that see the love that is being poured out to the people. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to, to all my leadership team. And uh, can't name them all. It's too many to name. But uh, they know who they are and they know what they mean to me. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, another great year in 2022. Uh, we always say, you know, I don't know, uh, last year was a great year and, and, and next year's better. And, uh, you know, and I don't want to, re- you know, just be repeating that, but it just seems better because we just finished living it out. Yeah. That's why we say that, you know, a lot of people, well, you said it last year. Well, because re- I just finished living that year. And uh, this Friday, we're going to, we're going to do a year in review, a little video, kind of remind everybody of everything that we did together as a family, as a team. It's good. Because uh, the, the unity, that God builds within us is priceless. You know, it's one thing to belong to a church and it's another thing to say, hey, that's my church. I love my church. And that's something that we have here is that uh, we we love coming to church together. We love bonding together. We love sharing our struggles and our trials, you know. And we're not a perfect church like every church, but what we do have is love and we give it freely. And uh, so if you want some Jesus love, you know, come visit us and and, uh, see what God is doing here with us with a bunch of uh, imperfect people. (laughs) That's right. That's right. All right, man. Well, thanks for stopping by the refuge project i know the this conversation is definitely gonna be a blessing to somebody out there all right we'll see you next time and we love you this is the refuge project